This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. how it always begins yes so mihi nomen est at hoc est backro the oracle the barbara gordon podcast episode 206 for may mmxxi backro the oracle is brought to you by justice league international Bwahaha podcast a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the jli era by keith giffen and jmd mateus we'll be going issue by issue in release order tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. 
So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International. Blah ha ha podcast. Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? I always like to call it the blah, blah, blah podcast. But I actually guest star with Shagalicious, who's Donovan's BFF, uh, on the May episode where we cover Justice League Europe number 14. And I really actually enjoyed reading and catching up on that particular series. Backroll the Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Well, you can see him here, his little face. And he's a hard man, as Mama Grant would say. And I think we might see his hardness in this episode. He's probably going to be defending Bat Jerk or Bruce Jerk Murderer, as I'm calling him this time. (laughs) We're, We're starting right away. Bruce Jerk Murderer. It is my former beloved himself, Donovan Morgan Grant. Welcome. Well, yes, only I could uh, be on the defense team for uh, (laughs) socialite Bruce Wayne, who's done nothing wrong. And we shall uh, (laughs) deliberate how he has been falsely accused of murder. And the story, the story which gives a lot of evidence that he committed murder. (laughs) I know it's true. There, there's a lot of this stuff that happens. I feel like we scheduled this. I don't know. Do you think like a year ago you're like, I really need to be on this, or you don't, you don't ever say me, but I really want to be on your show when you're covering Bruce Jerk Murderer. But it felt, it feels like it's been like a while that we've been waiting for this, anticipating. Yeah, I know that. Like whenever you got, you know, I, whenever you once you got in the habit of. of other podcasters kind of calling stories. I definitely threw that out there as soon as I was aware of it. And then once you're kind of closing in, definitely like once you hit like the two thousands and probably after no man's land, which is a couple of years ago by now, I was like, this is, this is important to me. Cause it is important to me. I think, I think uh, this is, I'll just say right, right now, like when I started collecting comic books, buying comic books, like, like staying in financially, this was the first story I was on the ground floor for. So it's, it is of particular uh, import to me. Yeah near and dear to your heart well this yes. should be really interesting once we start talking about it <laughs> and originally i thought we were going to do murderer and fugitive all in one episode and then you sent me like the document of all the issues and i was like yeah that's a no-go that would be like back to like nightfall um, night's end and night's quest <laughs> all in one i know or back to no man's land which just completely wore me out all of those uh issues i mean it was amazing but still sort of wore me out just housekeeping wise, this is going to be a top heavy episode. If you can think back to when Professor Cheapskate, aka Alan Middleton, was on and we did Officer Down, we loaded up 
the first part. And then we took a break after the synopsis. And then when we came back, the second part was just completely devoted to discussing it. And so that's what we'll do here as well. The final thing in the intro, I sent this to Donovan, something called Hidden Tribes, which is a really interesting uh, site as well as a project. And this was something that my final year of at Covenant, my nemesis, Heath Barr, Sam Heath, who's been on the show twice now, he sent this out to everybody, well, to, I guess, his, his friend group, and then was really interested in in what this was. Uh, so I'll at least talk about what they mention so he or this hidden tribe site says america has never felt so divided bitter debates that were once confined to congressional hearings and cable tv have now found their way into every part of our lives from our facebook feeds to the family dinner table but most americans are tired of this us versus them mindset and are eager to find common ground this is the message we've heard from more than eight thousand americans in one of our country's largest ever studies of polarization we hold dissimilar views on many issues however more than three and four americans also believe that our differences aren't so great that we can't work together. So a range of major issues such as immigration, white privilege, sexual harassment, Islamophobia. And basically, uh, their research concludes that we have become a set of tribes with different codes, values, and even facts. The way I would look at it is you're not just conservative or liberal. There are all these different tribes, depending on what it is. So this is really interesting. You can take a quiz. The quiz takes eight minutes. And so I thought it'd be interesting to say to see what we got. And this is the second time I took the quiz. I'm pretty sure I got the same answer both times. I'll say that my tribe is of the traditional liberals. And I'll mm-hmm. explain what this is. So it's 11% of Americans and a 73-year-old woman from Texas who is known as a traditional liberal is quoted as saying, I think some people's situations are challenging and no matter how hard they work, they can't get ahead. That's why I don't like the Republican party. They don't want to help. I think some kinds of people need help and the government should help them. And so the definition of this or the description is traditional liberals reflect the liberal ideals of the baby boomer generation. They maintain idealistic attitudes about the potential for social justice in America, yet they are less ideological than progressive activists. They also are not as intolerant of conservatives. They have strong humanitarian values and around half say that religion is important to them. Traditional liberals are significantly more likely to say that people need to be willing to listen to others and compromise. They're the most likely group, along with progressive activists, to handle conflict by getting to the heart of the disagreement. Overall, traditional liberals respond best to rational arguments and are inclined to place more faith in the viability of American institutions. I think that'd be a bit iffy, especially with some of my answers, even if they are disillusioned with the country's current direction. And my main concerns are leadership and division in society. So I would say mostly that that describes me. I don't think I'm as inclined to place faith in uh, American institutions. So that might be a bit iffy. That's sort of been my trend going away from, I think, faith in that over the past few years. But I'm interested in what you got. What do you think I got? Oh, of the, oh, I, that's a good question. (laughs) Let me scroll through really quickly and see. So our options are, are you a progressive activist? Uh, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I, that's the first one. 
that seems like you. I'm just looking uh, strong ideological views, high levels of engagement, political issues and the highest levels of education and so- well, socioeconomic status, uh, highly sensitive to issues of fairness and equity in society. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Yes. A progr- yeah. OK. <laughs> That's, I yeah. Thought it was a trad con. Do you feel like that fits you? Like because you were answering the questions, of course. But when you first when you got that, did you feel like, yeah, that fits me to a T? You know, well, I, I think before I took the quiz, they kind of present those options to you. And I was like, I, I bet I'm this 8% of Americans, uh, according to this this survey, my main concerns are inequality, poverty, and climate change. More than twice as likely to list politics as a hobby. Three times more likely to say that people's outcomes are result from, quote unquote, luck and circumstance. Less likely to believe the world is becoming a more and more dangerous place, which is true, which is interesting. Almost three times more likely to be ashamed of the American, eleven percent more likely to be white. Well, they got me there. So, so I, I mean, however, how are they found that through their quiz? I wholeheartedly accept that description. So you don't. I'm actually shocked at this one. You believe that the world is not becoming a, a dangerous place. You think the trend is going the opposite way? Well, I feel that like even though we kind of had these sort of like alley fights in terms of the Me Too movement and quote unquote cancel culture and free speech and the like, tolerance and equality are becoming more and more normalized by way of the media. I was I forget who I was talking to, whether it was, it was somebody, I probably said it more to more than one person. But like, if you think, for instance, like uh, gay kids and kids in the LGBT uh, plus community, especially when I, I mean kids, I mean like Generation Z and younger, they're not going to really know a reality where, or at least many more people more so than not, aren't going to know a reality where you can't come out as gay or the idea of gay kids is like a special episode on a television show. Mm-hmm. That's going to be foreign to them. And again, I'm not, I'm not presuming that like that's hundred percent across America, but more so than not. And that's especially true because of things like social media, social media. We didn't, we kind of came into it as adults. They're growing up with social media. So they're exposed to TikTok and YouTube and Twitter and web series and videos of people who are, out and free with their identity. And so they are, are they are seeing something that's, that's certainly not anything to be ashamed of or to harass people over. And that's kind of why I feel that like it's, it's less likely for them to, you know, they're still at risk from intolerance, but they're, it's far less likely for them to like be in a scenario uh, or at least feel as though that the world at large, are they're, they're not people like them. And I think that that, that lends itself to both, violence from others and also violence to yourself you're, you're less likely to harm yourself if you don't feel alone so so yeah no, I, I think that that tracks i mean there's obviously you know obviously the threats of you know nuclear annihilation which we always go through in terms of the arm race and there's there's also climate change kind of bearing towards that and there's economic threats from uh foreign powers like china and russia but i feel as though in the information age young people are much more inclined to readily make themselves aware and readily make themselves unprejudiced when it comes to vulnerable people. So yeah, I feel that like in that way, it's becoming less, less dangerous, even though a lot of crimes are being kind of highlighted now. It's no more of an of a, of a increase, or at least in, in, in regards to things that are kind of being un- unremarked upon in the past, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, you were talking about, uh, yeah, how there are certain things. And I'm like, hey, yeah, and people hacking gas pipelines. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Did that happen Science. to you? Did people go crazy and do the whole, I'm going to buy as much toilet paper as possible, but this time it's, I'm going to buy as much gasoline as possible. 
Enact- yeah, the former, the former, not the latter. I'm not really, honestly, I've been so like back and forth on work. I'm not really experienced a lot of the gas. Sure, I, I got gas two un- days ago. It was last week that it was like, yeah, the right. were loading thing. And it wasn't, you know, <laughs> so it was hard to get gas, period. And then people decided if they could get it, they were really going to get it. So it was just like, we're going to get as much gasoline as possible. So, you know, they're having their family members and they're like filling up those little red things. Is There was a gas shortage a couple of years, a few years ago when I was delivering pizza. That was difficult because we couldn't do our jobs. And so yeah. I remember my uncle and I kind of went out and, and like tried to siphon some gas from places. Oh my gosh! You had you had the you had the tube and, and no 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 cars. I, 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 I wasn't asking people for breath mints or whatever, but like uh, oh, yeah, there's yeah. there's like a fluid you can use to kind of make it slick, to kind of like save on the amount and stuff. Um, gotcha. we, weren't, we weren't breaking in any place, but like he mm-hmm. showed me how to do that. Okay. Well, thank you for what uh, doing some Q and A situations in the beginning. It's fun now. If I uh, say something about Q and A, you're here to defend yourself, which you can't often do. <laughs> yes. You know, I I say Q and A, and my girlfriend, whenever I, we text and say, "Oh, I'm going to record this," she she always says, she says, "It looks like you're saying you're about to re- record the Q and On podcast." And every <laughs> time I do that, it's like, "No, it's not Q and On." And she's like, "Oh, you're." You're about to record your cult podcast. I was like, no, stop. And she's listened to it, so I don't know why. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I think what's really happened is that Backworld Oracle and QNOA have become, we're in a feud, I think. And we're going to get some t-shirts made. <laughs> team Go on. Kunoa and Quinoa, Quinoa, and Team Bateau and see how many t-shirts sell them. It's kind of like Lindsay Ellis and ContraPoints. Yes. I got <laughs> my, uh, my, my, my team Natalie. Though. Yeah, yeah team my, Natalie my team Natalie badge. So yes. Here you go. You helped her win. Okay. Well, we are your your BFF, Shagalicious. Uh, we're going to go to our Find Your Joy segment, which is Shag's Mac and Cheese of Comfort and Joy. So in this current time, which I think, you know, is better than 2020, of course, but still some hard things are going on. What sorts of things have been bringing you joy? Gravity Falls. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> you know, I'm, how I'm, far I'm not, are you? Can I'm, you actually, I'm still on season one. Okay, can you but, please like, describe your first experience? With well, 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 you were there. I know uh, I was. I didn't expect it to be as like. I mean, I knew it was a cartoon that would be humorous. So I didn't expect it to be as like weird as it is. Specifically, the characters. Yeah. And this is not because of the show. Like, 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 I had to kind of watch that episode where Dipper's trying to be more manly like three times because I was always interrupted oh, over okay. the course of a few days. It, it, it's very, very funny. The characters are very, very likable. And like, Mabel is adorable. And one episode I was really, really into, the one where the rich kid, like the kid who kind of sounds like a, like a televangelist, was trying to get with, the, with uh, Mabel. And he, he ends up trying to murder Dipper and stuff. I was like, I was like this is kind of cool. I mean, it's, it wasn't like, all that serious but like because yeah. i don't know does this does the show turn into like a storyline or is, or is it kind of like the done in ones it does no uh, yeah right now it's done in ones but things will start like little pieces and threads will start to connect as you especially like season two okay I, i'll say the the last episode i saw the one thing i was unsure about was like the whole like the eight and a half president i was like that's a, that's a, this is a little weird, <laughs> but I know this, it's a cartoon, so I'll see where it goes. But I, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's consistently funny. Um, it's reliably funny, and I, I, I think it's, it has a really clever sense of humor. Like, uh, I remember when when Dipper was hanging out with um, what's the older girl's name? Wendy. Wendy, her friends, 
And like one of her friends was like, nice job, genius. And the other guy was like, your mom's a genius. And I was like, that's, re- that's really funny because it's like, <laughs> it goes for that sort of like teenage edgy humor, but they're not saying anything. So yeah. I thought that was really, that was particularly uh, clever. So yeah, no, Gravity Falls, I'm looking forward. And I was surprised when you told me how short it was yeah. compared to CV Universe. So I'm looking forward on kind of like, a, whenever I'm very busy right now, but whenever I have time to kind of, you know, barrel on down throughout that series have you by any chance seen the episode where mabel is in the convenience store i can't remember what episode that is you'll know and some fun dip is involved have you seen this yes yes Um, (laughs) she gets high on the fun dip it's like psychedelic she's tripping yeah She's she's uh, she's like immediately the best character. It's it's, it's uh, well i mean i I love christian shawl to begin with and she's just adorable in that show what is one of my favorite moments of when I visited you recently is we were watching this. And for me, it's just like, this is normal behavior because Mabel's like me, maybe ratcheted up a bit, but I'm just sitting there and (laughs) I don't know if we were on episode one, but you lean down, take the PS4 controller because we're using that and press pause and turn to me and (laughs) straight up this girl has ADD and like what's going on with this show like you had to put everything to a stop to ask for clarification I'm like is it why you know is this what it is and I'm like yeah this is it ah that's fun it's 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 truly funny and I think that I think that like cartoons are of a higher quality currently but that one because I know that that one's like that's like almost 10 years ago I can see what I can see because we have like, you know, in the kids section, Gravity Falls, like source books and stuff. I can, I can immediately, not that I ever doubted it, but I can immediately see why it's so appealing because it's just, it's just funny. And I, yeah. and, and it's one of those shows where like, if I kind of calm down and relax, I absolutely pop on on Disney plus. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I have three things. So May 7th, I went, went to a concert, Allie and AJ, they were putting on a virtual concert and it was amazing. They went through their whole uh, new album, A Touch of the Beat, gets you out on your feet, gets you up and into the sun. And uh, it was amazing. It was so amazing. And what's even more amazing is I was I was on a walk with Shy that day. And I said, oh, I wish they would just come to the Norva, which is in Norfolk, because it's a small venue and they only play small venues. And then later that day, they released their whole 2022 schedule and they're coming to the Mm. Norva. And so I've already bought tickets for May 12th, 2022. I'm so pumped for that. So that was exciting. I finally played Resident Evil 3 and beat it. And it was a fun time as well as a horrifying time per usual. Nemesis is a bit worse than... Mr. X, because he he's a bit more uh, brutal in his following tactics. Trying to think. It took me four times at least, four to five times to finish the hospital section because all these swarms with Carlos. But that was a fun time. And now I have RE8. I've rented that from Gamefly. I've yet to begin it, but I think tomorrow I'm going (laughs) to sit down and do it. Yeah. And that's a different experience just because it's first person. So it's even more horrifying. But I'm interested to see this lady, Dimitris, in, in person, as it were. And then finally, as a recommendation, as are many. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I will probably die accidentally, even though I know many people just want to run into her arms. But I will immediately call Harold after I encounter her slash I die for the first time. I also highly recommend the Netflix film and it was up for a an Academy Award for animated feature film Over the Moon. 
so good. The music is amazing and it's just so cute and heartwarming. I've actually seen it twice. So I highly recommend that movie. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. And it, oh, I heard of that. I mean, I mean, check it out. By the way, what a heartbreaking ending to the Academy Awards. It was also weird. Uh, in what regard? Because they saved Best Actor for last. And usually the last one is Best Picture. And so right. it seems like the intention was, well, Chadwick is going to get Best Actor. We should end the night with him. And then Best Actor goes to Anthony Hopkins. Mm-mm-mm. What a weird, weird I, thing. I love how every year they screw up somehow because it wasn't even so much that, or it wasn't just that. It was like they had these, they made these like NFTs out of Bozeman's head. And it was the most like ghastly thing where they like, apologize. Okay, yeah, that was rather crass. I was just, what are you doing? Uh, the the best intentions, I suppose. Okay, so uh, our final two segments, and then we'll actually get into comics. Have you seen any anime that you would like to rec- recommend? Oh, yeah. I don't think I told you about this. I watched all of Demon Slayer. Oh, okay. How many um, seasons is that? Currently, it's just one. It's on Netflix. Okay. 20, 26 episodes. And like the other week, a movie came out, which uh, isn't continuity. Like the movie picks up right where the season left off. Okay. A couple of things. First of all, my girlfriend, Kia, she asked if I had seen it because she wanted to see the movie. And I caught up, you know, so I can be caught up with her so we can watch the movie. It's the first time I was at a movie since Birds of Prey. Honestly, was it in the theater? Yeah, it was in our indie theater okay. the, at the Bellcourt uh, in Nashville, right next to Jenny's. Uh, so we saw it and, it, and it was cool. But Demon Slayer, like the manga is a super hit. It's one of those like big hit franchises because we have the current anime and the movie are about like volume eight of the manga. But we currently have in our Barnes Noble up to like volumes like 2021. 20, it is a gigantic seller. I mean, mm-hmm. people are buying that every day. It's a very, very, and I think you like it. It's about, you know, demons. Like it's, it kind of takes place in old school, like retro feudal Japan, where, you know, they use swords and stuff. Uh, but it's about a teenager named Tanjiro. And if you start it, like the, the, the first episode kind of shocked me. I don't know why it did. But like, I will say that like the, the premise is that um, his sister is kind of turned into a demon, but she's not a full demon. So he tries to, he tries, he becomes a demon slayer to try to find a way to turn her back into human. And he's like, he's about 16 in the show. She's about like 15. And so they kind of travel, they, they, they meet some other characters and like destroy demons. It's a pretty straightforward show. And like, there's not really a lot of like content. Like, there's like zero fan service and stuff, but it is incredibly violent because, because the way to kill a demon is to kind of cut their head off. So there's yeah. just a lot of blood and stuff. Yeah. I think you dig it. It's one of the most gorgeous anime series I've seen in a long time. Cause like, he, he does a lot of like kind of like <clears throat> martial arts sword fighting and there's like, these beautiful colors blasting around. There's a very interestingly designed characters. I think you would very much enjoy it. And like, yeah, no, I, I knocked that out in a day because I had to. I was watching the episodes on 1.5 speed on Netflix. Oh but my still, gosh. Because <laughs> like the, the movie started at seven. But I did, I mean, I was honestly into it. Like I wasn't just like, okay, let's hurry up. I was, I was like, no, this is cool. I thought that like the development was cool. I thought the trials and tribulations Tanjiro was going through was cool. And it, uh, it, it's, it's fun every now and then I am kind of caught up on the, on the latest shows. Like when I was into Kill a Kill when I got into My Hero Academia, and now this. Um, and My Hero Academia is on its new season, so I'm trying to play catch up with that as well. What about yourself? 
It does seem, I will say what I'm going to recommend, but it does seem like that is the trend with the the Netflix original anime series that they do tend to be more violent because I'm just thinking of the past ones that I've seen. Yasuke is going to be my recommendation, so I'll talk about that. But also Blood of Zeus was really violent. And then the one I just watched before was Dota Dragon's Blood. And so it's like- I guess maybe they're just going the the violent route. And I did try that one about the sky, like the tower of, I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but I could only get through half of a, um, an episode. Cause there was like a sexual assault and I'm like, eh, I don't need this. Goodbye. So we'll see. So hopefully when Comey can't communicate, that'll be my like slice of life. Oh, I've been <laughs> reading I'm that for. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's really good. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to to that. Just the preview of it looks really good. So yeah, Yasuke is what I'm going to recommend here. And actually, for listeners of the podcast, the intro song that I am going to use is the intro for this. So just be aware. But yeah, six episodes. They're about 30 minutes. In an alternate reality 16th century feudal Japan, reimagined with magic and advanced technology, an African man named Yasuke went from being in the, in the in the service of Jesuit missionaries during the Naban trade to being a warrior and retainer in the service of Lord Oda Nobunaga. In the year 1582, he witnessed the fall of Nobunaga's forces in battle at Honoji Temple against the army of the Dark General, who served the demonic warlord Yami no Damio. With Nobunaga's death and the defeat of his forces... Uh, Yami no Damio assumes complete control of the land. 20 years later, Yasuke tries to put his storied past as a legendary, legendary ronin known as the Black Samurai behind him and retires as a recluse boatman named Yasan or Yasan at a remote village. He encounters a singer at a local bar named Ichika and later agrees to take her and her daughter. I'll say Saki, a sick girl with mysterious magical powers north to see a special doctor to help with Saki's condition. After an attack by mercenaries who are after Ichika and Saki, Yasuke is tasked with protecting Saki while coming to terms with his past, dealing with would-be conquerors of Japan and facing dark supernatural elements as Yasuke and Saki find themselves in the middle of a struggle against the forces of Yamino Damio. And it is starring Lakeith. What's his last name? Uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield. Yeah. So he is Yasuke. So I, yeah, I've been enjoying that. So it's got the, the history aspect of it, but also, you know, I've got the, yeah, he's a real guy. Supernatural. <laughs> I know the twist of the supernatural. It's like a theme that with them, you know, you've got the history <laughs> twisted with the supernatural. I don't know what that is about, but yeah, I've enjoyed it. And it's, it feels I don't, it feels like weird, authentic. Well, I was going to say like, it feels like an authentic black experience just with like the music that is used and Yasuke himself. And, and I know it's in feudal Japan, but it just like, I I really feel like it's a, a really cool black story that is, I don't, in a different era that you wouldn't expect to, to be witnessing a black story. What I, what I think it is, cause like, you know, the people behind it are, you have LaShawn Thomas who did Cannon Busters, who is. Uh, an American black animator who's heavily influenced in anime. You have Keith Stanfield, who was L in the live action Netflix uh, Death Wish, no Death Wish, Death Note film. And you have uh, Thundercat, who's done a lot of like, you know, uh, he's an anime fan. You know, he has a song called Dragon Ball Do Rag. And he was in Carol on Tuesday. Yes, Carol on Tuesday. It was funny because like this is kind of, you know, a lot of blurs were going to be into this. And my cousin texted me, oh, have you seen uh, Yasuke? And I was like, oh no, not yet. And I was like, just like I was kind of just like making a joke, like, oh, how how realistic is it? 
because I did I had not seen a lot of footage of it, and he was like, uh, none. And I watched the first episode. And it's like giant. What? What happened? <laughs> so that was a shock. I, I was it was like a punch in the face. Yeah, I I will agree. Cool. I was I was I'm with you because I thought, oh, it's gonna be like looking at this black samurai who was a real individual, like looking at this, and then all of a sudden, yeah, the giant robots. That the yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. I guess. I'll, I'll rethink everything. Okay, in our final segment, literature recommendations. Have you been reading anything? Have you been reading something that you need to read in order for me to watch Steven Universe? Oh, are you talking about Naomi Alderman's The Power? Yes, I am. <laughs> not yet? Yeah, I not, did, yet. not yet. Not yet. But but um, I am watching Gravity Falls, so there is half of that on That's my true. way. Yeah. I, I think I told you, I, I'm picking, I picked up, there's a new recent publication of james baldwin james baldwin's nothing personal essay that i'm reading i'm not it's, it's very short it's less than 100 pages but i'm not done with it yet but i'm reading that okay and also uh call me can't communicate the manga oh yes how many volumes does that have uh i was talking about it with trevor the manga lead in our store and we talk about like manga and anime all the time uh he actually has his own youtube page uh because he's big into Comey. i think Comey has like a lot more in japan than america currently has okay. but if, if i recall correctly at our store, it's in like double digits. I think it's about like ten or twelve. I think he said it's a, it's like well over twenty in Japan. I always get lost <laughs> because I read so much. But now that I have a new job, I can't read as much as I did. So now my everything's slowing down. I think that the last thing I recommended was the vanishing. Maybe it's not. I definitely know I did redefining realness because I spoke highly of that. So I'll say the vanishing half by Britt Bennett. And this is getting a lot of hype and it's about twins. And they come from this town where basically everyone is really light skinned and, and, To the extent, well, I mean, colorism is real in this in this whole novel, basically. But if if anyone were to come that's really dark, it's like complete prejudice against them. But they decide to run away from this town, and you find out that one of them decided to live as a black woman, and the other twin decides to live as a white woman. And so it's this story, and it goes back and forth in time, present day versus the past, and the past starts to meet up with that. So it was actually really interesting. Sometimes I'm suspicious about books that people are like, this is amazing, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a a queen of counter opinions. So I'm like, mm, I don't know. Then I read The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the Americans Church, American Church's Complicity and Racism by Jamar Tisby and a foreword by Lecrae, by the way. Oh, and that, that, that I've, 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 I know exactly what that book is. I've seen a lot in our store. I've sold it in our store. That's, yeah. that looks very interesting. It was. A Raisin in the Sun, I've read now for the second time. You can catch it on June's episode of Required Reading with Tom. Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine, or I think probably Wine. And this takes place during World War II. And it's about a friendship between two women. They're English. One's Scottish, which is a huge point. Scottish and English Air Force pilots. Uh, and one of them is captured by the Germans. And then, of course, Bruce Wayne murderer. And I'm nearly done. I will finish it tomorrow. <laughs> I lost a bet to my nemesis, Heath Bar. And so because we see who can guess the Academy Awards better. And he won again. And so he told me, you need to read. He gave me, he kept asking me, have you read this? And I'm like, yeah, I've read that. And he said, okay, you have a choice for James Baldwin. You can either read Go Tell It on the Mountain or Beale Street. If Beale Street could talk, 
Is that what it is? Not speak, right? Yeah. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I've seen the film, which isn't necessarily the same thing, but I had known nothing about Go Tell It on the Mountain. So that is what I'm currently reading. So he was speaking highly of it and I've enjoyed it. It's not an easy read in the sense of like, it's not uplifting there. It's real. It's struggle literature. Um, (laughs) No way. But James Baldwin, I've really come to appreciate him. And actually for Mother's Day, I gave my mother The Fire Next Time. And I said, like, you should read it because we've been having oh. great talks recently about racism and, and Whiteson, basically. And she read his letter to the nephew right away. And she's like, I really love this. And so she's reading that. So anyways, there you go. Oh, excellent. Good. Indeed. Okay. So we're doing this. We are doing this. We're actually going to do comics now. And we're going to do our modern quickies, as I say. And so it's been weird that I have actually been able to. I didn't think I was going to be able to this episode, but Nightwing just came out, so I can. I am of the month because normally it's the month prior, but it's been nice to be able to talk about, oh, these came out in May and I'm recording in May. So first, Batman 108, which is the Cowardly Lot Part 3, writer James Tiny IV, artist George Jimenez, and colorist Tomu Mori. And the synopsis from the publisher, Batman goes undercover to infiltrate the transhumanist gang known as the Unsanity Collective, as matches Malone, of course, and learn more about their sudden appearance in Gotham. And what nefarious plans does Simon Saint have for Arkham Day survivor Sean Mahoney? How does it connect to the magistrate? And in part two of the action-packed bone-rattling Ghostmaker backup story, can our heroes stand up to the horror of Kid Kawaii? Plus, don't miss the debut of the mysterious Miracle Molly. And Oracle doesn't really play too much of a a part here. She does spot Scarecrow on top of a roof that who is watching during a press conference. And she tries to contact Batman after 12 hours of nothing, which make uh, that he's not contacted her for 12 hours, which makes sense. And he's undercover as matches. I will say she's wearing the same outfit that she has the previous issues, which is fine, I suppose. But I don't think it's all happened in one night. So. Okay, but I do, I, and I'm going to screen share on this because I love it. Before we started recording, I was actually talking to Don about how much I love Nightwing. And it's just nice to look forward to something from DC Comics again. I know, right? Yeah. And I did, you know, I do like, well, I did like issue one of damien's robin that's coming out but we'll i mean that was just issue one so it's too soon to see i said when we weren't recording i'm being punished for wanting to uh look at hot nightwing (laughs) so this is what happens to us but i i do want to go through i mean you don't need to see our faces i would just be gushing and drooling i've got a towel next to me but i do want to go through some of these particular pages are you still with me donovan Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I just want to be sure it wasn't for us. <laughs> and I, I am here. Okay. So Nightwing 80, Leaping into the Light Part 3, writer Tom Taylor, artist Bruno Redondo, colorist Adriano Lucas. Dick Grayson's always had a big heart from protecting those persecuted by bullies in his youth to combating evil alongside Batman as Robin to pledging his newly inherited wealth to enriching Bloodhaven as Nightwing. His kindness and generosity have always guided his life, but now a new villain stalks the back alleys of Bloodhaven, removing the hearts of the city's most vulnerable. 
Who is this terrifying new menace named Heartless? And will he be able to resist plucking out the biggest heart in all Blue Haven? Read this <laughs> literally heart-wrenching issue to find out. Okay, so there are, I literally read this right before this show. And so there were some things that I wanted to say. First of all, <laughs> sorry, I felt like I yelled. So sexy. I, oh, every time, basically every time. I think I've also become a bit of a troll on Instagram for any artist that has Nightwing. I basically am like, show me the butt. So they probably, they probably mute me. I don't even know. So, he needs to be bending over. <laughs> I, but okay. First, stylish. Look at this. I love this. I I just feel like it depends on the artist, but definitely in Batman and then in Nightwing. I just love her style. And I, I also think that maybe Bruno Redondo thought that the green jumper was absurd. So that's why he decided to give her like civvies, fashionable civvies rather than that green jumper. I also like the t-shirt that he drew on. I don't know if you noticed this detail, Donovan, the black. Oh, yeah. Canary, I did. Rock, oh, yeah. So good. Okay. I love this section right here. <laughs> What's the nature of your relationship? Yes. And then he blows out like a, you know, how, which right. happens often between you and I. Like we, I don't know, talk about hard things. <laughs> oh, too close to home. Also, did you I, notice the mugs? The Gotham? Well, also the Batman with the bomb over his head. Some days oh, you just can't get rid of a bomb. It is, yes. I didn't notice that one. I noticed the other one. Yeah. So he said, so there's like, they look at each other and he, Dick says, I've been wondering that myself, but interrogation is not how I wanted to broach the subject. And at the same time, probably she says that's not relevant. And then they said, you know, I think uh, we'll decide what's relevant. And she mentions she has a law degree, which is interesting because of course we'll talk about that. Yes, it's explicitly Bruce Jerk. Yeah. Call back to this. Absolutely. <laughs> I love, I mean, the art I just love, but I love these types of scenes where, you, where they use like the whole space, not mm-hmm. only of the actual comic, but the whole architectural space as well. And you can see them moving around. We've got a plan look. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Just so good. And so she was recording the entire time because if you notice, she had her glasses on, but again, not the green jumper. So she's, she can be Oracle, but in civvy. So that green jumper gets on my nerves. Um, I love (laughs) this scene. Uh, First of all, it was funny because I thought of you immediately with this one text box that said, Tim Drake thought of by many as the best Rob. And I totally get it. (laughs) That's such a, who is he talking about? The fans? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's such a fourth wall breaking comment. And then he, the first thing he does, Batman wanted me to give you something. It's a wallet. uh, It's a wallet chain. It means kids can't steal your money. And as an added bonus, you confront a soft metal band in the early two thousands. And then uh, Dick says, I'm never living this down. Am I? Of course not. I mean, I just feel like this book has breathed new life into the bat family. Absolutely. The relationships between all of them. I mean, I don't know what Bruce will be like or Batman if he shows up in this book, but just everyone, how they're getting around. Like, it feels like a family. Like, they have a text chain. Cassandra uses emojis. Like, all these Mm -hmm. things. Like, this is so wonderful. It is so wonderful. I laughed out loud. Is it this one? Um, let me see here. Oh, when Dick, it, <laughs> when Tim goes into <laughs> <in> incognito, <laughs> 
I laughed out loud. Yeah, because so Tim goes undercover with the dog, the little puppy, and they're on comms. And, and Tim says, sure. So uh, bad to say the night, huh? And he says, I slept on the couch. And Tim says, I see. And then there's this like annoyed little almost like, manga style. Yeah, like, you know, I'm on this channel, right? And then he's like the Josh Bertone slash Homer Simpson. No, you know what well, I do now. <laughs> but I cracked up when I was reading this, just like her annoyed little face. Oh, man. Yeah, just oh, I can't I can't speak enough about how fun this is. And of course, there there are some serious issues and just getting all this money from Alfred and how he's going to spend it. And of course, helping people out um, and this homeless community, mainly filled with youths and whoever this heartless person is. But yeah, you just did a review on this. So do you want to talk about it? I mean, I just wanted to look at how Babs is treated and all these fun things, but I would just gush about it. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Nightwing 80? I mean, I currently am digging the Bat books that I'm reading. I think, I think Tynion's doing solid work on Batman. I'm enjoying his, his work on Joker, because as we were talking about, it's a Jim Gordon t- uh, title, basically. I read Robin. I thought it was cool. Uh, Batman Urban Legends is telling a Jason Todd story that I'm digging. I think that that's actually a very good story. But this is the best book out of all of them. Because one, it's that glorious chemistry of great writing and great artwork neither neither territory is slacking secondly it feels like such a fan driven run because it brings us into characters that that, that we're familiar with it dis- presents their relationships in ways which we understand them to be at the best of times there's no baggage it, it, there's there's sly references like the whole nightwing and tim drake thing uh on the trains that is explicitly from the chuck dixon scott mcdaniel issue uh, Nightwing 25, where Tim and Dick spent the whole time training and talking about girls and stuff on, yeah, on, the, on the train. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, Barbara's law degree, Dick being in police at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, we're past the point where, like, we're starting over with a new two. Like, <laughs> like, this is, we're catching up with the characters that we know and love. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. I mean, I mean the plot's very straightforward. It's, it's, a, it's a fine plot. There's nothing wrong with the plot. But like it's it's kind of you're kind of just spending time with old friends in this issue, and it's just I probably should have given it a perfect score. I gave it a four point five. <gasps> on, How on, could uh, you? Oh, I, I feel that like maybe a five would have required like, like a surprise or a shock. But okay. this was like really. I, I mean, I said there's nothing wrong with this issue, and it's been a, it's been three issues in, and I feel as though I can rely upon this series to be great, like like the best the best read of the week. And again, I mean. The other week, I was really enjoying Batman and Superman, which is telling a fun story. Batman Black and White, which had a really great story. So, like, I feel as though right now we're kind of back in, you know, we're out of the caves and where the majority of the Bat books are good. I don't really know one that's, I mean, especially with Batgirl having ended right now. I don't know of one that's that's really bad. And But this one is, like, not just not bad. It's great. And I love it. Absolutely. I did wonder, have you read the Hawkeye run by Matt Fraction and David? uh, I think it's Aja, unless it's Aha. I have the first two trades, but I fell off of it. Okay. I just wondered, do you feel like there's any influence from that? Just how the art is laid out? really dynamic art and and uh let's see there's that one fight i guess it's at the end with how they use oh it's uh, them versus the electrocutioner stuff yes um and not only how nightwing assembles his 
a scream of sticks into one bow staff. But then he actually uses Tim Drake trying to find, oh, this, which I thought was pretty cool. And then, you know, the puppy, I also think like, oh, it's, you know, a puppy in there. This is always good. And there's that whole line about, you know, people are probably more likely to talk to you if there's a dog and everything. I just wonder if you saw any influence there or do you just think this is all Bruno Redondo on his own and Tom Taylor? I, I mean, guess, really. that straight up did not come across my mind because it's been forever since I've read Hawkeye. But, you know, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's been about 10 years. It's not impossible. I mean, either, yeah. I mean, Redondo more than Taylor, I would imagine, would have taken like a lot of his like blocking shots or, or fight choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this kind of style of artwork in terms of like fighting, um, whenever I see like multiple Nightwings, I just think of Scott McDaniel. But there's there's absolutely room. That's a great splash page. There's absolutely room for there to have been a uh, a Marvel or Hawkeye specific influence. Yeah, because I mean, because you know this the writing is so clearly influenced by by the previous. I love that shot. Yeah. I also saw, and I didn't mention this in my review. Some of the some of Redondo's artwork, specifically how Tim Drake looks in that shot, reminds me a little bit of uh, Roger Robinson from the Gotham Knights days. Okay. And if you're not familiar with him, he did the issue in Bruce Wayne Murderer. Like when Nightwing and Robin are talking about whether Batman's guilty or not. Like that's the mm-hmm. artist of that. And because he, he did have these kind of like interesting perspectives that just reminded me of him, even though it's, if it's not an active influence. But uh, that was cool too. I like the idea that like Nightwing's discrete mistakes can turn into Robin's bow stuff. I've never seen that before. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And just... Yeah, how much of a team, like how symbolically there's like, you know, we, we how well we work together uh, just with the, this whole fight. was Also, amazing. Tim was Robin again, like not even Red Robin. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Are all the fans right. like, yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I feel like we're getting back to the, like the classic era. I do want to f- hold out on this particular uh, image. I, think I mean, I, I, I mean, it's interesting because like, I don't know if, Either except for Cass have been referred to as Batgirl again because Cassandra's been in her Batgirl costume. Yeah. And there's been kind of this sort of like not so subtle pushing for a Batgirl's Pearl book. It better not be review. subtle. <laughs> well, I, I wrote in my review that there's there's this in, endless dick and bab shipping, right? Yes. And I mean, even the Joker feels more traditional to me, which I like because like when he's not written to be over the top, I do like the Joker when he's kind of, you know, he's he's deadly and he's dangerous, but he's also like funny. Like the, in the latest issue of um, Joker, Jim Gordon's on the hunt for him. He's kind of talking around like Brazil or someplace. He's he's asking around. He goes back to his apartment, and Joker on accident just opens the door. He's like, "Ah, oh, Jimbo, how are you doing?" And like that made me laugh. <laughs> and it's like it's not trying as hard to be scary or whatever kind of mm-hmm. storytelling. It feels more like, and you know, a lot of us old comics fans, we've been around too long. But like, it does feel more of what I'm familiar with. And especially after reading Bruce Wayne Murderer, you know, it feels like it's of that era. Not as dark as that story, but like yeah. the familial characters, it feels familiar in this issue. It does. It, it feels like it's back to basics. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but just like back to the classic feel where everything was like, this is really fun and good. And sometimes it can be heavy, but it's just like worthwhile stuff. So right. I, I hope maybe they realized how broken everything was. And so now they're like, let's get back to it the way it is. <laughs> I don't know how old Tom Taylor is, but. Like, I mean, James Tynion is around our age, and I know that he is a fan of the 90s stuff. But Tom Taylor, with Nightwing, it's it's evident that that's the thing. And he wrote, like, Deceased, like that like kind of that zombie story. I actually read that because um, Cassandra was in it, and it was really good. I mean, like, you know, I'm not really a, a big fan of zombie stories, but, like, I did like it from a character perspective. And Shiva was in it as well. And so I feel that, like, whatever story he's doing, he has a real heartfelt take on the characters. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to more 
And Damien was killed in the first issue, so who knows if he's even I hope you better. <laughs> it's like Mortal Kombat. So we've gone through the potatoes and now it's the meat. We're going to be collecting, I'm sorry, talking about Bruce Jerk Murderer, which published as Bruce Wayne Murderer. And Donovan is reading and speaking from his 2006 version of the trade paperback. And I will be speaking from the 2014 version. So 2006 for Don, 2014 for me. We talked before the show that Don's collects only relevant information within each of the issues, whereas my trade paperback, if it's talking about Robin 99, it's going to have the entire Robin 99, even if parts of it are not relevant to Bruce Jerk Murderer. So this storyline was originally published in, in seven different comic book series in March and April 2002. The story was written by Greg Rucka, Kelly Puckett, Chuck Dixon, Devin Grayson, and Ed Brubaker. And the illustrations are done by Rick Burchett, Scott McDaniel, Damian Scott, Trevor McCarthy, Roger Robinson, as was mentioned before, Rick Leonardi, Pete Woods, and Steve Leiber. In this story, this is a brief synopsis. What I'm going to do is talk just this brief synopsis. I'll say what these issues were called and go through. And then Don is just going to give publisher blurbs for each. And then we're going to take a break, which whatever that means, because we've been taking dozens of them already, it feels like. (laughs) So in this story, Bruce Wayne is found with the dead body of Vesper Fairchild in his arms, and he is arrested for her murder. Looking to prove Bruce's innocence... Mm. Nightwing, Robin, and Batgirl. <laughs> uh, quickly, <What>? be- huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It already begins. Quickly yeah. begin an investigation to discover the true killer. But as a mystery, mystery unfolds, evidence <gasps> evidence of Bruce's guilt mounts, and even his closest allies begin to question their mentor's innocence. Hmm. Tired of portraying. You know what? If- <laughs> If, I, if only you see my face. I wish I could. I I wish like Huntress had appeared just out of nowhere in one of the panels and like said, I told you so or something. That would have been amazing. Tired of portraying himself as someone he is not. And further embracing the freedom of his mass identity, Bruce decides to lay his millionaire playboy alter. He was just a millionaire back then. Playboy alter ego to rest and live life only as the Batman and immediately kill somebody. But we'll get to that. So (laughs) (laughs) there are 14 parts to this. Only 12 parts are actually called parts, but then there's certainly the prologue and then like the climax of everything, which is Batman 600. So just going through these quickly. Batman, the 10 cent adventure number one was called The Fool's Errand. Detective Comics 766 is part one procedure. Batgirl number 24, part two, Batgirl. Nightwing number 65, bust out. Batman Gotham Knights number 25, no exit. Birds mm-hmm. of Prey, 39, The Gun, Robin, 98, The Thin Line, and that was part six, Batman, 599, From the Inside Out, Detective Comics, 767, Timeless, Nightwing, 66, part nine, The Unusual sus- Suspects, Batman, Gotham Knights, 26, Innocent Until, and Robin, 99, Where the Road Ends, and Birds of Prey, 40, which is part 12, Switchback. And then the finale of this is Batman 600. Batman 600. Scene. Yes, the scene of the crime. So do you want to just like briefly say, I guess, relevant information or publisher blurbs if you have them for each of those 14 issues? 
Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, I got the, I got the words right here. I found the one on DC for Detention Adventure. The kickoff to the 12-part Bruce Wayne murderous storyline is a one-shot you can't afford to miss. When Batman responds to a series of crimes, little does he know that a crime is also occurring in one place the world he considers safe. His home! And that is essentially the story where uh, Batman discovers the body of Vesper Fairchild just as the police come in and he is set up for her murder. Uh, we go jump into Detective Comics 766. Immediately following the shocking events of Batman the Tencent Adventure, we learn that Bruce Wayne is wanted for murder. How is this possible? And how is Batman going to get his alter ego out of this one? Jump into Batgirl 24. Oracle dispatches Batgirl to Wayne Manor to investigate an unthinkable crime. Can Cassandra cover, uncover enough proof to clear Bruce Wayne's name? You'll believe what the young hero discovers. <laughs> Nightwing 65. As Nightwing tends to the unbelievable events transpiring in Gotham City in the life of Bruce Wayne, a place called Lockhaven is headed for a fiery bust-out, which we won't talk about. Batman got them nice number 25 as the evidence against Bruce Wayne piles higher and higher. Bruce's friends and allies rally to save him, but his strange behavior may make it impossible for Batman's allies to help out. Birds of Prey number 39. Oracle is feverishly trying to get information on the predicament of Bruce Wayne, and she's about to get some incredible lengths to get it. Meanwhile, Black Canary has to break into the apartment of a prominent Gotham citizen. Especially for your child. Robin number 98 leads to a parting of the ways for Tim Drake and Alfred as Tim is forced to reevaluate his anger towards Bruce Wayne. Meanwhile, Spoiler Release receives some horrific news that has a less than chance encounter with a certain star of the Birds of Prey. Batman 599. Oh, yeah. Bruce Wayne is behind bars, but getting out of jail while keeping his identity intact remains difficult. Meanwhile, the evidence against him continues to mount, and his situation keeps looking worse and worse and worse. Detective Comics number 767. Will Sasha Bordeaux sell Bruce Wayne out and claim he committed the murder he's being charged with? If it means her freedom from the hellacious jail she's found herself in, the answer may not be what you think. Nightwing 66. Dick and Barbara dig deeper into the circumstances surrounding Bruce Wayne's arrest, and the duo find themselves conflicted over a serious question about the innocence of their fearless leader. Gotham Knights 26. As Bruce languishes in prison on a brutal murder charge, his closest allies try to come to terms with the horrific reality of the situation. But not everyone who loves him thinks he's completely innocent. Robin number 99, with a great cover by Todd Nock. This starts with Bruce of Prey. Bruce Wayne stands accused of murder, but Robin's got to focus on rescuing a close friend. Plus, Alfred goes undercover to investigate a suspect in Bruce's case. Birds of Prey number 40. Bruce Wayne murder concludes uh, in part 12 as Oracle and Robin continue investigating the murder case and Bruce Wayne makes a devastating decision. Continued in Batman 600 as the multi-part of uh, Bruce Wayne fugitive crossover ignites. Batman 600. Bruce Wayne fugitive kicks off in this oversized issue. Bruce Wayne is suspected of murder and is confronted by his allies in the Batcave, resulting in Batman and Nightwing going toe-to-toe in an amazing display of combat between teacher and student that ends with... Get ready. Ace Jockey beats Ryan! <laughs> and that's all the, the synopsis for the issues. Oh, thank you so much. And with that, friends, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will be reviewing and chatting about. I've got questions, I think, for all the issues, actually. Uh, we will be chatting some Bruce Jerk Murderer. But first, it is Zias's Radio Hour featuring Troubles Coming by Royal Blood. <laughs> I gave my knuckles around for the 
Okie so we're back, and now we're in the main event, which is, of course, talking about Bruce Wayne murderer, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. Okay, so I would love to, I do have a question, but I think we'll just go issue by issue. I've got some questions, and then if there are any points you want to break up and or, or talk about and, yeah. and things like that. So, and then we'll do overall, I've got some overall questions and talk about how this rates with other Batman tales and, of course, give a rating. So, first of all, 
I wondered what the Vesper Fairchild history is. Would you be able to? I feel like I probably sat through some sort of lecture by our mutual friend, (laughs) Joshua Lapp and Bertoni, about this. Like, I think he knows all about her, I feel like. Uh, But I just wondered, you know, for the folks at home as well as me, do you, how much do you know about Vesper? Would you be able to give us like a, a hot take on who she is and and why she would be important to the Batman mythos. You know, that's, that's a good question because, because of the story, she's kind of categorized in like one of Bruce Wayne's great tragic loves. I honestly am not very familiar with her. She's had been around since like, like I, I know she was around during cataclysm. She goes that far back, but the issues where she and Bruce were dating like I believe they took place kind of during like the kind of the Kelly Jones era of Batman, the Doug Mensch Kelly Jones era. I haven't read a lot of those because those are kind of in between major storylines. And I was kind of reading Robin and Nightwing around the time, and I'm not really going going back and read those issues of Batman. Like when this story first came out, I really wasn't aware of her at all. I grew aware of her over time, but I couldn't tell you the exact nature of their relationship, how she was characterized, what have you. I am mainly familiar with her through this story, you know, where she's basically Jean DeWolfed, right? Like, like yeah. it opens with her death. Like, she is genuinely a Bruce Wayne girlfriend. Like, she's been around for a few years. It wasn't, I've not read that it was majorly serious, but what, what I do know what's happened is that, like, Bruce was having major feelings for her, but he knew that would only complicate both of their lives. So he, like, invited her over to the house while he had, like, girls over so she could, like, you know, Betty Brant her way out the door. Oh. And he's like, and, but, but as this what first chapter sure. opens up, yeah. Well, it's a Marvel method of, of like, you know, I must have her hate me. So, you know, I, I will break her yeah. heart later on. Um, and he's still kind of like reeling from that choice of, of you know, ending the relationship that way. But honestly, like, I, I'd be lying if I said, oh, she's this, 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 because I just have not read those issues. I mean, if Bertoni were here, he would lecture you. But uh, I didn't do the I didn't do that homework. So, so I'm at a loss. Okay. I didn't ask you to do that. That's fine. I will say that the majority of insight i have into her character is through sasha's lens in this particular story and because and that's actually a question because sasha clearly has feelings for bruce it's she's not the most reliable of narrators and so like you know her perspective might be skewed and so i just wonder how much can we believe her perspective or her opinion of sasha uh, of vesper sorry Yes. Okay, so we'll start with, and I like these. That's exactly what I look at his ugly mug. Yeah, you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> uh, he, he looks like Ben Affleck, unshaven, drunk, oh, hair messed up. Poor guy. Okay. Oh yes, I guess I start with seven sixty six. We can at least show the uh, the dead body. There it is. I mean, he clearly cares about her. With he's like cradling her in his arms. Look at that. Okay, right. but Detective 766, I think, is really where um, I my first questions when she actually admits Sasha that she loves Bruce Wayne. I'm trying to find yeah. out. Do you have any well, reactions to that I, I, as I, someone I, reading it at the time or even rereading it now? Well, for, can, can I, before I answer that, can I ask you how familiar are you with Sasha Bordeaux? I am unfamiliar with her. Only in my coverage, I think I just encountered her, if not the last episode, the episode before when I've been doing quickies and that she has popped up. And so I saw, oh, this bodyguard. And then it connected to an in a random, which I'll bring up again, a Birds of Prey issue that Professor Cheapskate made me read with him on his quarter bin. 
podcast. But then I real I found out I kind of researched her history a bit and found out, oh, that she realizes she's this bodyguard. She finds out Bruce's secret. And there's like this really creepy image. I think I shared it on Instagram of him looking down over a balcony <laughs> onto her. And it's like really creepy. And but yeah, so that's basically just that she was a bodyguard for Bruce Wayne and she's not an idiot. So she realized that Bruce Wayne and Batman are one of the same. Please. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, again, when I was reading this at the time, when I was when I was a kid, that was very, very modern. That like, oh, he has this, this bodyguard. She learns who he was. He's like, okay, well, if you're going to stick with me, you need to train because I'm Batman. She was never given a code name, but she, it, it was a, it felt very new. Like you know, it's kind of like, you know, who is she? And, you know, what's her mo? And when I re- I remember when she's like, you know, I'm in love with him. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, you know, he's Batman. What's not to love? Yeah. There's 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 some sort of like you know comic book inevitability of that. Mm-hmm. But like he does definitely make there's a line later on in the spotlight issue where she's in prison that's really that makes oh. for great drama where it's it's yeah. like yes, no, yes, no. Absolutely. Yeah, I was well, I was shocked, I guess. Just like, oh wow, she she really did. She fell for it. It's like uh Whitney Houston and <laughs> she fell for it. Yeah, I, I can't remember his, uh, Kevin Costner in the bodyguard. It was just inevitable. So it happened. Yes. But just the way she said, I wish I could find the page. I put page numbers for everything else. I thought it was before this. What oh, I think it is here, isn't it? I thought it was because she was Montoya having a conversation and I thought it was, but she was having a conversation and like she would have silent answers to herself in between the other answers. And she's like, I'm in love with him. And I thought, oh, wow, that's shocking. Okay. That's, that's, uh, is it a later one? Detective comments, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's in the middle of the story. Well, we'll I'll move on then. Uh, just to say that, wow, that that's I found like, oh wow, that's shocking. And then as we continue on with her story in particular, and uh, yeah, that prison scene or prison issue, really, I think that speaks. It increases the drama certainly of everything. Like he wasn't looking at her, he wasn't talking to her until it really counted. Mm-hmm. So one question I had here is uh, Crispus Allen. He quickly, quickly condemns Wayne. Uh, I think he Mm -hmm. killed her. And I think maybe the bodyguard was in on it with him. Why do you think he he is so quick to basically? Yeah, Wayne did it, of course. Like, he doesn't even think about it. Do you think this is just part of his character? Um, Is there history there that I'm kind of not as aware of maybe between him and Bruce that he would think that? I think it's just honest, you know, from his perspective. And I mean, this, I mean, this is met out far past, like, uh, got the central that like, he has no clue that he's Batman. Yeah. But so, but he's like, seeing it's like Bruce Wayne, you know, influential, uh, billionaire socialite. Like, you know, he has power, his women, uh, there's the potential for jealous lovers and such. He doesn't see that as all that unlikely that there would be, quick animosity between partners or, or what have you and i think mm-hmm. that like I, I i think it's i don't think he's jumping at straws exactly i mean he's he, he's wrong but it's not the, if i heard that if I, if I was in the same car you know if i didn't know that bruce was batman i'd be like that could be um i think it's just you know it, it's an honest presumption after 20 minutes of you know being called in the case right like you know yeah. he has enough opinion somewhere that's true and i feel like that Perhaps one of the themes of this whole story is about, you know, did he do it? Did he not do it? And then with everyone surrounding him, all of the characters, the people that are close to him or or perhaps on the periphery, 
what do they think about him? And so I think we're just starting off with, yeah, he's got, we've got this cop here that doesn't have as much of a close relationship to him, would be aware of Bruce Wayne just because of his public identity, of course. And he's just made this snap judgment that, oh yeah, he totally did it. And then I think we go from there. That's Renee, right? Renee, certainly. Yes, yeah, yeah. She's not sure. Uh, I think she needs more evidence on that, certainly. But she she thinks mm-hmm. it out. She does, you know, a thought experiment with him and and considers that. But I just thought it was really interesting. Like, man, the first person who's asked that question is basically like, yeah, he did it. And then my final question, then, if you have anything on this one. Well, it's more of a point. But this was a huge uh, moment for me. Sorry, I'm I'm doing this again. I've got to be better about it. But it's Alfred. It's basically the end of this issue. Alfred returning. He's he's putting on his jacket and he's been with Tim at Brentwood for I'd say a significant amount of time. I don't know how much time since Officer Down. Okay, yeah. So I mean, I would say that's a lot that he walked out. He had enough of Bruce's childishness, and but now he realizes <laughs> that Bruce really really needs him. Do you feel like this? is i don't know a comic booky way to like the plot demanded it which i know you don't like those sorts of things does the plot demand that he returned to him or do you think that this particular situation really warrants him returning to bruce i mean the crux of this story is batman's batman's character and his identity or really his character and it gets it gets hotter and hotter as the story goes on but you don't this story without everybody that's close to him and this is one of those things where like you know alfred and dick particularly you really see their, their the heart of who those characters are and it's just, and so he, an idiot would not to think would think not to bring alfred in this mm-hmm. no matter where he was and you know because he left nightfall then, then he kind of came back in a nightwing part or whatever i think this is much more meaningful because he left because of bruce's uh behavior and he's coming back because that behavior which he despised got him in real trouble one way or another mm-hmm. and because it's not like he's like he's like it's not like he's like questioned for murder he is he, he's past tense arrested yeah. so he's like okay whatever's going on if batman had that happen to him he needs he needs me and that's awesome yeah and we'll talk about this scene again because it pops up in robin so we get a different perspective on that but yeah yes. i thought like wow he's I feel like just in this page, you really get a sense of, oh boy, this is uh, is pretty big right here. I think he leaves a note. Yeah, at the bottom left, it says, Tim, he needs me, Alfred. So, Oh, yeah, it it is retconned in Dixon's issue. Um, What did you you think of the initial interrogation scene between Sasha and and Renee? Oh, uh, let me, oh, golly. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's pretty, and I think... It's interesting because you, oof. I'm surprised that she gets so emotional just because given what I've seen of her, I don't think that she would break down. I mean, that's got to be really intense. Oh, <laughs> of, Sasha? Of Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that Sasha broke down, that is breaking down and crying. And and so I guess that Renee is just that intense. And, and also she's listening to this tape, but you, he, yeah. you, I think it's the prison issue again, that she actually talks about this particular scene, like, because she compares it to or connects it to the fact that, you know, she has these opinions about Vesper and they're all negative. And then she heard that tape. So I think it is, you know, this tape is, is really hard to listen to. And I would like to note that Bruce's name 
is never mentioned in this tape. So I feel like this is almost circumstantial, but you know, they're in the, in the everything, but no, she, yeah, she really takes it. I just, feel, I, I don't know. Part of me is like, I totally get it. She's listening to that tape. Renee's in her face and yelling like, this is total, you know, tactics. Of course she would cry. But another part of me, just for my limited, limited experience of Sasha thinks that I, I feel like maybe she'd um, be stronger and be able to almost like compartmentalize and, be i don't know stone face uh what do you think about this scene oh just the circumstances of it because it's <laughs> a, it's she's listening to somebody die which we don't have any information whether she whether that she's gone through that before yeah and it's the stress of i know bruce was set up and i can't you know it's it's a, it's a quite a pickle like he's batman i can't betray him that way and I love him, but it's also like you know, like 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 like, like this horrible murder in his own home. It's just yeah. the whole world's crashing down on her. I don't think I, th- I think it's perfectly human that that. I mean, she's not like bawling, but just stream like like yeah. tears stream down, down her face like before she even knows it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I th- that that to me feels like fiercely human. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with there. And that's a huge line at the end with you know Renee saying, "You protect people. You're a damn bodyguard. Good thing Vesper didn't need any protection, huh?" Yeah. So. So, yeah, I mean, and it's really, yeah, it is really hard knowing that you're the alibi and then it gets a bit more complicated later on, but we'll get to that. So you're the alibi and you can't, you can't say anything, um, which I think speaks to her strength of character. Certainly. And then, and then the next page, like, like there's a brief moment where Bruce is like almost whatever he's going to say, it's going to be honest. Yeah. And then he's snaps like, I want my lawyer. Yeah. this story is so good (laughs) okay so then we get to your girl here yes okay i do like this scene she's like this is foolishness we need to put a stop to this which you and i have spoken of anyways and it's funny because you think i mean i didn't think she was at all talking to batman but i love that she's like psyching herself up to to talk to batman (laughs) and then the face at the at the bottom is is dubious about it yeah, so this is, I felt like this is great. I, I think that it totally makes sense that Oracle would have heard the 911 call. But then it begs the question, mm-hmm. wouldn't Batman have also heard that call right, right. somehow? Yeah, yeah, she's like, she's like, Batman, Batman, Batman. And she's like, okay, Nightwing, my canary. Well, that's going to blow his identity. I, I, I always remember the part where she like laments, I'm sitting a 15-year-old and tries to get Robin, then... It takes a while for her to remember Cassandra, which she was just thinking about her, which yeah. whatever. <laughs> You're offended, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. I'm, I'm just like, that's interesting. Yeah. I did already mention that Bruce is never named in the call. So here's a big question. And it it comes back around. So we we can talk about it again once it's revealed. But why doesn't Batgirl know that Bruce and Batman are the same? And yeah. is it surprising that Oracle hasn't told her or or Batman himself? So any thoughts, insight on this? Yeah, that's interesting because I don't remember any story where they're like, well, she can't know who I am because I mean, it's possible that because she's been she's been shown to be so frivolous with her own identity, <laughs> she might not fully understand the need for him. Mm-hmm. Especially because you know, like, like again, her perception of like you know this whole crime finding thing is different. So it, it just seems like it just seems like it was revealed through this story that like it was not even like an accident. It was like somewhat of an intention that you know, for the time being, she doesn't know who Batman is because I love the last two pages. I mean, I think that's one of those things. So it wasn't a concern for the story immediately, but as a byproduct of this whole thing. In the meantime, Cassandra Kane figures out. 
it's not that she she's told she figures out that mm-hmm. uh Bruce is Batman in a way which I think is very cool. Like she you know, looks into his soul and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you think she Good would stuff. have realized it had she seen maybe any news pieces on Bruce and connected like with especially at the time that she had heightened body language reading? I mean, it's possible. I don't think that we've ever seen her interact with Bruce Wayne uh, at this point. I mean, later she, she will. I, I know specifically in Gotham Knights, later on in that run, she does. Like she's, you know, hanging around Wayne Manor and stuff. But I don't believe we've seen her and Bruce together. We've seen Oracle and Bruce together, mm-hmm. or at least converse, but not Cassandra. Cassandra's, oh, you know, because Oracle, like Barbara, you know, Barbara's one of the first people she met. But otherwise, she's not seen Dick Grayson or Tim Drake. Even in No Man's Land, they're all in their costumes and stuff. Yeah. And I think we'll we'll get to Dinah as well that, I mean, it does beg the question. I mean, there's sort of common sense that should come into play a lot. Like, like why is Oracle so concerned about Bruce Wayne's, you know, murder rap here? Um, And why are we doing this legwork when we could be out in Relasia or something? But yeah, no, this was, it was just. That's that's a retcon because I know for a fact that uh, Black Canary used to know who Batman was. Okay. And now she no longer does. But no, this was just really interesting that, well, I've been reading it from the beginning, as you're aware, because you've been with me every step of the way, practically. But I I just feel like of all the people she should know, like she would be allowed to know. And you do mention the fact that she is a bit carefree with her own identity, though he had a talking to her about that and they had to (laughs) mop up that mess. But it's not like she would be free and and going around willy-nilly telling other people his identity because of how much you know she respects admires and loves him so i'm just surprised that 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 did not happen or oracle yeah, on down too. low say hey Cass, uh just so you know because Cass knows tim uh, yeah, in no man's land yeah. she, I, know, I know she escorted him across lines was he robin or because dixon wrote that issue i know he yeah. doesn't care and they've only interacted I mean, the last time that they had their little team up, it was just as Robin. So maybe, so maybe that's sketchy. I mean, she should know. Spoiler and Steph are the same. She knows that Barbara was Batgirl. Dinah, that that's pretty easy. Dick, we think Dick and Nightwing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she will know, obviously, but like, yeah. I don't think she's interacted with him solo. Yeah, honestly, like, I understand. There is there is a logic to why she would know his identity, but like. I would have liked to know, because again, we don't see this on panel. Uh, what, what was the trajectory for her bringing her into their identity? Because yeah. Batman and Oracle are, are really investing in her. Uh, it makes no sense for them to be so so heavy a part of their lives, but you can't know who Batman is. I mean, I, don't, I can't see Batman that lasting too long. Yeah. With, 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 with this whole father-daughter thing going on. But mm-hmm. like, he clearly didn't think that she was ready at the time. Yeah. Interesting, and I guess it, it might go to his whole persona. Like he, he wants to teach her as Batman, not as Bruce Wayne. So his other idea yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, okay. Well, just my question. Uh, do you have any any questions or thoughts on twenty four? Oh, sorry, I liked. Uh, I liked how she was utilizing this because mm-hmm. you know this is a this is a Batman crossover story, and. I liked, you know, there's all these all these characters have their different specialties, but Cassandra, she can't sneak around without people finding her, especially in a crowded room. Yeah. I thought it was clever. I thought the reasoning was clever. I liked how Oracle said, listen, you know, the house has an EM field blocking everything except for the police band. The owner is sneaky. Like she's keeping Bruce's identity, but like <laughs> but the, the Wayne yeah. Wayne Manor's own defense setup makes it hard for them to help with the investigation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cassandra's hanging around there, she's hiding. And then just as a 
byproduct of her doing work for Oracle. You see how distressed Oracle is, but Cassandra's like, all right, you just so I'm just doing this chore, this errand. Mm-hmm. And on her own, she, she's like, oh, wait, this is Batman. That's just cool. Thing. Yeah. Here's that. Yeah, it's a long story. The owner's sneaky. That was pretty fun. Yeah, there is one moment where she's like in the thick of the investigation, like pick something up that someone was it earlier? I thought it was in here. She has like a she has like, she has like a camera and like yeah, she face. like is able. She it was crazy. I had to look at that a couple of times. It kind of reminds me of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with the smoke test. And there it is, and the bells. Yeah. And you have to collect all the bells without them ringing. And of course, Raphael can do it. But yeah, it just kind of reminds me. Look at that. She's just able to grab it and push the button, and there you go. The flash. I don't know. What awesome. Happened. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, well, then we'll move on to 65. Here's a pretty cool cover. No butt shot. Yeah. It's still an attractive man. Okay, <laughs> so we are, oh, yeah, I had an issue with, so here's some of this side stuff that doesn't necessarily match up or, yeah, or is relevant. That yeah. is. He wants to, he ends up bribing a shift like guard to, in order to, to change his shift so that he can go to um he can do a prison transfer prisoner transfer and visit bruce which i did have a question about the shank i think it's called because here i think he's visiting him in i think it's called or is it called shrek um yeah the oh, shrek. shrek's like shrek's a part of town yeah okay but it's not a prison uh where's is the he line? always in black gate or was he in like a a holding area first right, and then well right now bruce is in holding he will okay. be transferred to black gate later in the story but currently he's just in jail mm-hmm. there he is i have to work oh here it is i mean we should just every time batman's a uh, or bruce go. wayne is a jerk we should take a drink but seriously there's nothing you can do i have to work this out on my own Oh my gosh, I know we're trying to help you, please. Oh, man alive. What, uh, well, I mean, do you want to say anything about this? Do you want to defend him? No, I, mean, I read this <laughs> again when I was a kid, and it was in like, you know, he, I do remember this. His behavior was getting really, really cold for a while. Just like whenever he appeared, he'd, he'd just be like really standoffish in a way which wasn't. I wasn't used to. Mm. Uh, I think I think people in letters page that kind of comments like, "Why is he?" I mean, I he he went through a lot, you know, in terms of, like the, the earthquake and and before that the clinch, before that Bane. But this seemed to be like a pretty constant. This seemed like a very, a very consistent. Like Batman's just like this all the time. Mm. But as as we see, it's kind of been building, especially in the last few stories, in terms of, like you know what he did to Tim and or Gordon getting shot. So like every time we see Bruce, we see Bruce, except for, like the. The initial story with, with Sasha, I think I think he's, he feels like Batman in that. Like, yeah. you know, he's just kind of like, you know, saying, we're going on patrol, standard patrol. He's mournful when he's, when he's unable to save that one person. Like, he's he's kind of like like silent, but he's not unreasonable. But here, this is the first time somebody's interacting with him, and he just completely shuts down. And I love, I love, of course, this is Chuck Dixon. I love how Dick interacts between the police and Bruce and himself. Because he puts on this almost like Dick Grayson, like cheery persona. Mm-hmm. Like he's talking to the other cop. I love when the cop is like, you know, how do you know a billionaire? And he's like, we used to hang together. Like he doesn't even get into it. I, I see that's kind of cool. Um, he's like, I bet you had some crazy stories. You wouldn't believe half of them. I, I, I like the really casual uh, nature of that. But when Dick is on his own, 
he almost breaks his hand punching the car because he's that frustrated with Bruce. And he's mm-hmm. like, why is it always with like this? And I'm just like, this is clearly Bruce's behavior is, is intentional. It's not just, oh, that's what it is. This is clearly meant to chafe with the Bat family. And I mm-hmm. think it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's appropriately dramatic and, and comfortable. Absolutely. I, one of my questions actually is, in regards to the adoption, because it's supposed to be public knowledge. So I guess I just wonder why other people like Oates don't know or haven't gone after him or, or the media ha- haven't <laughs> gone after him. Is there just a delay? Is it actually not as public? Well, I mean, I never talked about this with Josh before. Uh, firstly, a lot of times when the adoption is mentioned here, it's because Bruce specifically recently adopted Dick Grayson as his, like, his like, son. Like, mm-hmm. He was adopted as his award back in the day. But in terms of like being owed, and, you know, being part of the will and being owed, like, like in terms of legalities of the Wayne estate, Dick Grayson is legally Bruce Wayne's son in this. I mean, it's, it's an addition to the to the ward legality. Oh, gosh, what was the question? What was the original question? Mm, oh, I guess why it should be public knowledge. I think even Dick says it's yeah. public knowledge. So why why does Oates not know? Because he says, "Oh, how do you know Bruce?" And then the media is not going after him. Later on, they'll go after Alfred. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to Josh about this. It's just like, and this probably a couple of years ago, but like, you know, do you know the name of like Bill Gates' adopted children, if he has any? Do you know the name of like Elon Musk's kid? Like, like it's one of those things where like, okay, yeah, they, they hang out with people famous, but how long does the sort of like, you know, tangential character stay in the spotlight? And it's, it's, it is inconsistent, honestly. There have been plenty of stories where, going back to like the Silver Age, where Dick Grayson was famous for being Bruce Wayne's ward, and then times where people are like, oh, I guess he's a red story. I, I don't know about him. It isn't consistent, but here it's, it's just like the idea of like, he's not a celebrity. I, Dick Grayson just kind of grew up and went away, whereas Bruce Wayne st- stays Bruce Wayne. I do know the name of Elon Musk's sister. Yeah, one on me then. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know why? Because she's the head of Passion Flicks. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Musk Musk. Yeah, that's the only reason why. This scene I wanted to pull up, of course, because Barbara's in there. And by the way, my chief hairstyle and uh, correspondent, Alan, her hair is all over the place and all of these issues. This is probably one I like the most. There's like a mullet and a couple of them. But anyways, it's really interesting just how informal he's speaking and like, Nothing has changed. And actually, previous in recent memory, <laughs> he they basically were basically were on a break almost because he didn't want to deal with anyone because he killed the Joker and she was trying oh, yeah. and he was just ignoring her. So I suppose I can maybe explain it away with like we're in dire circumstances that that's I'm not even going to be thinking about these personal issues, but it's just like, it's ridiculous bad. I mean, there's no segue. He just goes on in and they communicate well and there's no issues. So I almost wanted there to be a moment. It didn't need to be super distracting, but just a moment to address that. Hey, I've been having a tough time. Thank you for trying to be there, but there's not that. I don't know if you have any comments on that. That's that's a very good that's a very good point. I I, uh, I wasn't aware of that. Well, I mean, I mean, it's been a while since I thought about that. That's that's a good observation. And it's only because I've you know done Joker Last Laugh and I've been doing all the Nightwing stuff. So it's been it's been rough. He hit rock bottom, but now he has. Any other thoughts or questions or topics you want to discuss on Nightwing? I mean, I'm not. I don't love Trevor McCarthy's artwork, and he comes back. He actually did a lot of that Raya stuff in New Fifty Two. Oh. Uh, but like in here, Dick looks like Aladdin. <laughs> uh, 
in a in a way which I, which I I mean I don't, I like Aladdin, but like uh, in a way which I don't think looks good in his style. Uh, there otherwise, it is, his Agrabah's you know, I, on fire. <laughs> Arabian. Uh, I do love Aladdin, but uh, no, that's all my notes for that. Okay, so then we move. Look at to, that gorgeous cover. I know, and I could. You can tell right away that it's Boland, and look at his struggle. The struggle marks that you've got. Uh, yeah, so this is got. Did you I skip uh, Robin? It's, it's uh, in my no, trade. It's, it's only this. Oh. oh, okay. Because in my trade, it's the only, only scene where, where Alfred leaves, and then it gets in the uh, uh, what, whatever. I don't. I don't. Whatever. Okay. So well, I guess we'll do this and then we'll come back to Robin. But yeah, th- th- I will say because you're bringing up Robin that there are some continuity discrepancies with some of these issues. They It feels like it mostly happens in Robin, actually. Um, so we can talk about that when they happen, but not to be nerd or like really negative, but just like, okay, this maybe doesn't make sense that he just got shot on a skateboard, but he's over here in Gotham. Okay, so there was something I put in exclamation points attempted rape attempted rape i don't remember where it was was it at his arraignment here oh there it is charges of murder in the first degree conspiracy to commit murder and attempted rape so that was something that i didn't even think about i don't know do you read the phone call differently after or the transcript script of the phone call differently after seeing that that is one of the charges not really because i know how this ends but uh, okay. uh i i imagine that's that's taken from the videotape and because they were exes they kind of that, that was a charge that okay. the prosecution just just went for us because it's not i mean as, as montoya says and as, as we know it's not like the bed was used so it's not like there's like evidence of yeah. that and and i don't know if they've talk, commented on like you know any torn clothes or whatever you but um i think it's just kind of something that the prosecution went for based on the audio gotcha yeah i would have said about the torn clothes that would have been my first indication or any sort of skin under her nails but that would have gone right away. look at that he doesn't even talk doesn't even say a word and yet what awesome images of like bruce wayne like this is one of where he Persona wise is Batman, but he's not wearing his costume. Yeah. And Roger Robertson captures that repeatedly throughout this run. I, I met him in Comic Con. He, he's pretty cool. Uh, but I thought that, like, these are some definitive Bruce Wayne images in my mind because his, his eyes are constantly shadowed out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So let's talk about this. First of all, you don't need to call him sir, ma'am. I, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> of course, of course. I hate when she calls him boss. This is—is is this Devin Grayson? That's in the next page. It's totally Devin Grayson. Yes, it is. Yeah, and yep. I don't know why she does that. I totally disagree with every time that it happens. But yeah, well, I'd like to represent you during the. You're not an attorney. Well, actually, I just love that for well, funsies. That. <laughs> she has a law degree. I had some spare time, so I took a correspondence course in law. Turned out I knew most of it already, so I took the bar for the hell of it. Got my JD and everything. This is a master of laws from Harvard. Yeah, I took an extension. I mean, of course you did, Barbara. And I love her facial expression on the bottom of that uh yeah if it's worth doing you better do it right um yeah thoughts on this that this is she gets her law degree for funsies basically and yeah i her interaction with bruce in this scene i've always felt very weird about that (laughs) because as you know yeah living in the house of lawyers like that's no joke that's true you know my my brother studied the bar like i have a very good family friend 
uh, who, who had to take the bar three times before he mm-hmm. passed. Like, I know people, I know people who have like considered suicide because it's just so difficult oh, to man. pass. So it's one of those comic book things where a normal person would buckle the pressure, but this character could do it easily. And so it's like, on the one hand, that's really awesome. And if it's, if anybody can do it, it's Barbara Gordon. Okay. On the other hand, I'm like, that's a, that's a little, that's a little disrespectful, but it's a comic book. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it bother me. Yeah. I'm not bothered, uh, but also I don't, I know yeah, you're not. I don't have that personal experience <laughs> and Babs is my girl. And I totally believe that she would do this sure. for fun. He's like, I'm bored. Nothing's coming across the crime wave. Eh, let's see what I can do today. So I but, remember reading that for the first time and I, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this interaction, golly, how, how painful, painful, certainly. And just how much it, it's always, man, it is really honestly always barbara who is reaching out who's got to be the shoulder for people this happened in officer down it's her own father who was shot and she's the one that's comforting renee montoya and really reaching out there and, and trying right. to help bruce and and here's i i feel like a, a jerk uh again just because like he's not accepting that help and and thank he thanks her i i guess we can accept that thank you there but i'll be requiring your energies elsewhere and then of course she says the b word which i don't appreciate boss but yeah no it's just just like a bummer like she she's done all this hard work she clearly cares for him is reaching out to him and he's just like pushing her away so a lot of this story is hard to read because of how bruce is acting and, and pushing people away that really love him well do you was when you were as you were reading this were you surprised or we were like that's right he's a jerk i'm not surprised <laughs> it's the second one of course with my high-pitched voice i'm not no i to a certain extent how because he has his moments of jerkishness but like you know he's not always like that but this entire story is like him being a jerk and it's like it's too much bruce turn it off turn it off so that was surprising but yes i do feel vindicated that i was calling him this for (laughs) years and you're there sitting there next to me defending him, saying my hypocrisy makes you sick, all of this stuff. And here wait, we are. Wait, wait, wait. I don't when when have I defended him tonight? Oh, tonight. <laughs> you not tonight, but I'm thinking about no man's land where you said you're hypocritical and judgmental, and frankly, it annoys me. Oh, I hope you forgot about that. <laughs> of course I didn't forget about it. You're a hard man, Donovan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So I, I asked a question is, is Bruce only thinking about himself when asking people not to help him? What about Sasha? I mean, uh, I think at this point he's really, I mean, this, this gets elaborated on before too long, but at this point it's, it's a combination of a few things, you know, it's, it's like, I can do this by myself. He thinks mm-hmm. or he believes or he wants to believe you will be better utilize doing something else. And also, you, your your care for me may not be what this situation needs. I, 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 I think a lot of things can be read into it. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, I mean, what he's not doing is you incompetent fools don't mess with me. I, I got this. It's not that. It's it's kind of him and his psyche kind of, you know, it's, it's like the fall of the house of, of Usher basically in his mm-hmm. brain. And so whenever the Bat family reach out to him, he's never going to respond well. I, th- I think the thank you was about as best as it gets in this trade. Mm-hmm. And there we have a nice prison scene there as we zoom out. Okay. Any other thoughts on Gotham Knights 25? Well, uh, just, just as, a, as an anecdote, Alfred comes back and Dick meets him at the, at the, at the yes. taxi. 
uh, which is a great. Uh, I love their relationship in the story. Uh, I like the scene that Devin Grayson puts in here. The, the, the people on the Gotham Street reacting to the the murder charge. Like some people say, eh, that makes sense." And other people are like, "No way, man! Bruce Wayne's actually kind of cool." I think that's 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 cool. They kind of go RoboCop that way. And isn't that the um, Rat King? I, th- I think there's just normal people. Well, that one guy looks like that. Wh- I don't know. The woman is that a woman? Yeah, she's an older woman. Now, listen here. The Wayne family has been in Gotham longer than your okay. new show. Well, it looks like could be the Rat King. I don't know if the Rat King is only Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle continuity. Um, but it yeah, looks like she's Daredevil. got some sort of rodent in her hands. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Sorry no, to but, but no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's, it's just uh, uh, they, they point, you know, the, the defense tries for it. Uh, the judge is like, no bail. And Bruce and Sasha's cases are kind of like she has a separate defense mm-hmm. uh and also alfred and dick realize that neither of them know what happened alfred says, so what happened and dick's like i have no idea and it's like all right uh, stubborn all right we'll do this on ourselves yeah. here we are once again it's like mm, it's happening again okay so now now we're moving on to birds of prey 39 so I, I will be talking a bit about some of the outside stuff just because it's a birds of prey tale but i <sighs> Phil Noto is amazing. I love his covers. This, I think, is gorgeous. Any thoughts on the cover? I almost forgot that Black Canary had that costume still by this point. Oh, which is a, it's a, it's a decent costume. But yeah, I remember the, the covers in the corner. And I think they may have done this actually for Bruce Wayne Fugitive. Maybe they don't do this Bruce Wayne murder. But they had like puzzle pieces. That oh, would kind okay. of, uh, that's right, that was fugitive because like, they have the public pieces. And I remember there was a lot of Phil Nova covers for Birds of Prey around this time where it's kind of like, um, like Saul Bass, like film, like spy fiction almost, uh, and the way they're kind of assembled. Oh, yeah. And shout out to Carolyn Coca. There's Barbara Head in this. <gasps> it is a floating Barbara Head. Carol, hashtag Carolyn knows. <laughs> is that Calabac, I say? Yes. Yeah. So I'll talk about that particular um, segment. <laughs> I had no idea how he's in there. Yeah. Okay. So just to say about that uh, beauty there. Yeah. So in the beginning, there is this. Uh, well, actually, before I even start there, I do want to say that this I don't I should have looked up what episode, but I was on the quarter bin podcast with Professor Allen. And if you are unaware of what that is, basically, he goes into the quarter bin and picks out issues and then. I think he probably always has guests. I was on, I was a guest for this. I was also on for other things. I remember being on for like a cloak and dagger and uh, I can't remember another one. They're totally out of context. And then at the end, you have to say whether it's worth a quarter or not, what, what you paid for. And I had been reading Birds of Prey. I feel like I got up to this point, but I had not yet gotten there in my reread. And so this was just like, I have, you know, this is weird context. I remember Sasha popping up. And so when I was reading her in real time recently, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's that woman that was in that Birds of Prey. So anyways, I've got history of this uh, because of our my chief hairstyle correspondent. So, yeah, in the beginning, we've got Blue Beetle, who's been hanging around a lot. Oh, it's a butt. Uh, he is fighting Calabac here. Uh, but you find out that it's actually a, a training program. And then this actually leads to, because he's having some troubles there, can't get his breath. Oh, and and 
by the way, look at her hair. It's it's not very attractive here. I, I don't know what's happening. We actually find out that he has <laughs> a heart issue, which I feel a bit suspicious about that they're saying that it's a heart issue, but it's not. And there's an, another manner. But anyways, just know that Blue Beetle. Listen to her. Around. Why are men so damn stupid? You need a brain check, lame brain or check a lame brain. Oh, okay. So he leaves. She shoves him out of the door. Oh, I forgot that there's something there. Okay, so here's Dinah, and she needs Dinah to go off and and basically do some research. But it's interesting because uh, Dinah says, but what's Bruce Wayne to you? You don't seem like his type, which blah. And then Bev says, it's not like that, <laughs> Dinah. And then she says, I meant you're too brainy for a guy like Wayne. Thanks for so much. But we get to the point where maybe not so much this one, but later on when Dinah is appearing that I feel like shouldn't Dinah put two and two together, that there's a reason you're researching Bruce Wayne. And it might be because he's a more important person in the uh, in the group proper. Or do you think it makes sense that she is unaware and she's just going along with it? It's one of those things. Where just, I just, I just find it weird that she doesn't know who he is. Like, yeah. not only what did she do, you know, beforehand, but like, it's a Denny O'Neill thing. Who he's not around anymore. But it's a vestige of the Denny O'Neill era that, like, the Bat family had to be so closed off. Like somewhere along the line, Barbara knew who Robin is by this point. I don't remember how that happened, but like, I mean, at least Barbara is like, you know, I mean, why would Barbara just tell people who Bruce Wayne is? I mean, the, I don't think Barbara, Barbara would ever do that. So you know, it's odd that like. Canary didn't know ahead of time, but if she's not going to know, Barbara's not going to tell her. And yeah. that's kind of like what this, what that first page in the clock tower says to me. Yeah. And I will say that she just drops, uh, Barbara just drops it nonchalantly, Tim, uh, when she's talking to Robin and Robin is all taken aback and he's with Alfred at the time. And he's like, how long did she know? And Alfred said, you know, knowing Barbara for a long time. So it was just like, uh, it wasn't really much of a, aha moment it was just like oh yeah i've known for a while and here's a little drop kind of like a gym a gym and babs in in joker number three i love this scene so i was reading out of context the first time but now that we have this just these two going against each other and they're both on the same side you know one of them is knows everything about bruce and was there with bruce so is the alibi but doesn't know that Barbara knows. So she's being tight lipped and Barbara knows everything about Bruce was trying to figure out more. And so really needs Sasha's help. And it's just not going over well. I mean, I wish they would have had icicle bubbles. I think that that's, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at this, you know, if, there, if there's something between it's not like that, then what is it like? There's nothing. Then that's all. And then when they leave, that's when my she rolls out and, and Barbara calls her an idiot. And then Sasha says, which. And so I just think, you know, if these two women could be on each other's <laughs> side, it'd be great. But it's just like they, they both know the same secret, but can't share. Uh, so I, I like that scene. So I, I would like you to comment on the scene. And then my question actually is. Why wouldn't Bruce alert the team that Sasha has actually figured out a secret? Or how did, you know, the others not figure out that Sasha knew the secret? If if I would think that they would have been spotted together on patrol. Bruce has been acting weird. And this is, you know, this, this has not been going on forever. This has been going on like very recently. I, I, I bet she's, she's only been trained. She's only been around for like a month or two. Barbara has her birds of prey thing. Dick is in Bloodhaven. Tim is all the way out in Brentwood. Cassandra Kane, you know, Cassandra Kane, he's kind of deals with her with uh, 
with the distance that he does. So he was able to like kind of train somebody else and not know about it because she's only been around for so long, for so little. Like, but like they they remember that time where like Barbara was like, of course I know that like Cassandra's running around in a mask, you know, without her background costume. I know that's that's her obviously, but like, apparently nobody knew that there's this costume blonde woman running around with Batman. Yeah, like 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 in a, in a costume not too dissimilar from Spoiler. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, or Mockingbird, kind of the old school Mockingbird from Marvel. Um, did you, I didn't hear you if you answered just what you thought about this interaction between the two of them. I kind of forgot about it until I reread it. Then I, then I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Barbara doesn't know who she is, and she definitely doesn't know who Oracle is. And this is just like, gosh, you, kind of, you, know, you want them to, because I feel awful for Sasha throughout this entire thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, help is right in front of her. If Oracle knew Sasha's deal, she could at least help her. But, you know, it's it's actually really, really tragic, especially what happens to Sasha later on. It's just like, darn it, you're so close and you're so far. Mm, yeah. I noticed that Barbara's wearing pearls, which always makes me nervous now when I see someone wearing pearls, given Martha. But there Why? was... Oh, <laughs> is it too soon? Oh, about Martha? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it always is soon. When Spoiler pops in, which interaction between Spoiler and Dinah, not only in this, but later on, is is pretty fun. Uh, she knows she's Stephanie, which is great. There was something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on this particular page. Uh, let's see. Spoiler asks, could I hang out with you a while? And Dinah says, why not? I remember yeah. when someone else applied for a student vigilante license. Remember Oracle? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I remember. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do love that. And I love the sort of costume flair on Dinah that it's not just her outfit, but she's she went from her sort of civvies and just slipped on her hero attire and then also kept part of her civvies with her. Yeah. And I guess the, the last thing was just putting two and two together, but I've already mentioned that a couple of times. Any other thoughts on, oh, that's the end, on Birds of Prey 39? I mean, reading these scant issues of Birds of Prey makes me want to read the series because it's very solidly written. I, I would only read Birds of Prey in instances like this was part of a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a superhero story, but I like the detective angle. I like seeing Dinah as a detective. And I see her as a professional because she's not, she doesn't sound like a member of that because she's not, but she's still a, a overtly competent superhero. And it, and like, you know, this feels like a Birds of Prey story. And it also feels like kind of a, almost a noir detective story in that way without the sort of like, you know, sort of trappings of that genre. So I dig it. I'm so glad. Okay, moving on to Robin 98. And I've got a hard question to ask you in this, just FYI. But we do have a bit of a continuity overlap, just that, oh, here we're seeing. But in your trade, you said that this popped up earlier. So I guess it works out a bit more. But in this trade, it, it's a bit jarring that, hey, he's already in Gotham or... But yeah, Alfred's already in Gotham. And he doesn't give a crap about Tim Drake's problems. <laughs> I know. I know. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, about uh, yeah about all the different people uh, in his life. Now, there was My something. roommate's an alcoholic. And this, and this, this. I missed a part where that's my problem. Oh, no. That was sad. Now, there was something. I thought that, oh, here it is. Oh. <gasps> Now, this might be hard for you to hear. So on this particular page, as he's walking down, uh, Master Bruce seldom knows what's best for him besides the manners unattended. You must decide, Master Timothy, if your sense of betrayal outweighs your feelings for Master Bruce. Master so Bruce. do you think 
Wow. In our relationship, Donovan, do you feel like this is tough for you sometimes to to decide between your sense of betrayal versus your feelings for me? (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Flipping the question around. Oh, did you say sometimes? Interesting. I guess it depends on the betrayal. I bet they've not been too terrible of betrayals. I think sometimes like the initial reaction is like, how dare you? I can never, we will never get past this. But then moments later, I'm like, oh, it'll be okay. My favorite, how dare you was when I brought up that snake issue and Batgirl and you like had a conniption fit. I couldn't believe why would you bring up such a terrible, (laughs) terrible uh, issue? Yeah. Okay. My other, ooh, was this? Was, oh, yeah, you're still laughing about it. Who locked down the cave? Question. Uh, maybe Oracle. Okay. That's, that's, a good, that's a good point. But also, it must be said, around this time in Robin, Batman had also been training a, a blonde-haired girl in a purple costume. He, she's not Robin at all. She's, she's, she's still a ways from that, about like 40 issues or so. But he is actively training Stephanie and... When Tim was missing, that, uh, because he was training Stephanie, that's when he told Stephanie that Tim was Rob, or Robin was Tim Drake. Yep. And so she was kind of being ingratiated by Batman on a level she <laughs> hadn't been for, for a very long time. And now she's like, all right, it's time, it's time, it's, you know, it's time for practice. And then like she's locked out and, and she has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then she has to walk back 10 miles. And here's Cass. I don't know how Cass got there, but there she is. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, just with where this is placed, it's weird that she, it would make sense. I think that this ha- fell, it should fall before birds of prey, because then it would make sense of why she is mm-hmm. looking for, you know, Dinah or looking to hang out with somebody. And Stephanie talks just such crap to Cassandra. And that's against Chuck Dix. Chuck Dixon always had Stephanie just be very, not very, but like, just like dismissive and antagonistic towards Cassandra where Kelly that- Puckett brings them together. Yeah. And that develops over, over other writers. I, I, I just think that like Dixon had just had no time for that character every time he writes her. You? Interesting. Yeah. I did have a, an American Psycho reference just with how they were describing Bruce Wayne. It seemed like that. What? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, I think those were the only thoughts I had. I mean, this ending is a bit, uh, especially because like he gets shot and his skateboard is broken. Oh, I thought then you see him elsewhere in another issue and then you come back to this. So that that's a bit bizarre. But over I didn't have too much ooh, to say on this one. I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete tangent. I mean, like, Rob, like Robin's oh, there he is. involvement <laughs> is because he's Robin. But yeah, his problems. really. I, mean, I love Robin. But like, I think in this era, his problems really do seem small potatoes compared to, oh, I don't know, Batman being in prison for murder. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, man. Did you cry when you found out Tim Drake died right here? I probably laughed. Um, okay. Uh, it's been a while since I've read this. It's been a while since I've read this issue, so uh, I don't remember. Oh, my God. Look at that. Look at that. This is. Sorry for Daniel artwork. He's a villain. A villain, clearly. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I found this interesting. Let's see. Have five days in jail done anything to improve your client's memory, or is she still keeping her mouth shut? <laughs> And I thought, you know, memory and silence are two different things. Can you get it right? But that's just like a nitpick, a nitpick on things. Um, flaming toilet paper. Let me find that page. Is this the, maybe it's not. What, what, what is this? This flaming no, toilet I love, paper. I've seen that in prison before. 
You've seen just, flaming just, toilet paper in prison before? I, oh, I've seen that as, as a thing. Like, you know, just kind of riot as prisoners. Oh, okay. Where did they get the fire to light the toilet paper roll? I, I don't want to speculate. Maybe they like had a match and farted on it. Okay. Uh, and clearly uh, they didn't live through COVID where toilet paper was a rare commodity. No, they're probably, <laughs> they're probably all dead by now after that. But like, uh, there's a line, I think, in the previous page where the bat signals outside of Bruce's window and he's like watching the signal finally there like a phone ringing a bad dream no matter how much i want to i can't answer it i'm just like that's so good yeah oh this is i like this i like that this one i'll let you know uh at the end we'll actually choose our favorite issue if it's possible for you i do have a favorite issue in this particular story but i like this like seeing what is his daily life like in prison uh what is it like for him is he trying to keep the bruce wayne persona is he just being batman and 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 this is the one right where he finally at the end sort of i mean look at that look at that scary image i mean i don't know if anybody can like just read this like oh i don't like batman and read this and like just not get sucked in i like oh i have so much to say about that oh Oh, this scene right here yes please because so for those who are listening to the audio, Batman or Bruce is in like the mess hall, I think, or just like the recreational place, the room. And there's a news special, a news report on, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents were killed in an alley. Did that start his, uh, is his uh, history of violence and kind of seeing the fruits of that now? Mm-hmm. And they tried out, the news report tries out all these, you know, the, the psychiatrist and this behavioral science profiler and all these people. And it feels very real right it feels very oj it feels like you know what would lead somebody to commit murder well if you look into his past this 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 and here's the thing or the quotes you, you know you have to remember that everything about who we will be is formed inside of us when we are children to lose one's parents in such a shocking fashion that is exactly the kind of trauma we look for in early years of violent criminals and it's like you watch a guy who watches his own parents get shot to death at nine years old we can't understand what that does to a person i'm surprised he hasn't killed anybody before like the funny thing is they are off base because bruce wayne isn't a killer he isn't a criminal or at least as far up to this point but they are perfectly describing batman they got they got the hit the nail on the head they just don't know it it's like they all it's, it's like oh yeah his parents were killed in front of him that would probably mess him up uh, are, are we sure that he that he there isn't a double life to bruce wayne they're so close and bruce is watching this being profiled br- being deconstructed being examined by, by like the peanut gallery and he can't stand it and i'm just like that is such great i can't take it <laughs> oh, it's, it's, and the artwork he he yeah he is scowling in every single panel so let me ask you this to follow up with that do you feel like he leaves and he doesn't want to put up with it because it makes him uncomfortable that they are close to his secret, that they're so close, but they can't put their finger on it. Or do you feel like it's almost a sense of masculinity, toxic masculinity? I don't know that he is being psychoanalyzed and he doesn't want to admit to, you know, potentially a mental illness or a psychosis or or something like that. Do you, do you think they're, I don't know, are are either of those applicable? 
don't know if I would say that. I don't know if I would say that's toxic masculinity exactly. I mean, it can be an element of that. But I think. I mean, you don't you don't want to have people talk about you and who you who they believe you are, and for it to be wrong. Because the way it's pitched and the way that he perceives it, it's about him being a, a killer and a criminal, and that's not true. But you know, they're 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 just they're misappropriating his psych his psych, psyche and disrespecting him and his family and he, and he gets onto it later but you know they're 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 literally walking all over my parents grave this world this place takes everything from me piece by piece i can't help it the mass is slipping because this is this is kind of the crux of this whole situation why he's being so he's reacting so badly against the bat family's attempts to help him because who he is and what he wants to do the bruce wayne batman dynamic is really in conflict at this point because it's not Oh, he's Batman or whatever. It's like Bruce Wayne, Playboy, Socialite, Flatters. Bruce Wayne is one for murder. Who is this guy really? And and he's like, I've been framed. This is a gigantic waste of time. Someone's murdered a former lover of mine in my own home. I need, I need to solve that. You know, they're 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 I'm wasting time in here. Like like they're they're saying things about about, about me that's not true. Like I'm like all these things that he takes so seriously are crashing into him and and. He genuinely cannot. He's losing grip. He's losing. He's, he's he's losing his grip on who he is and keeping his his emotions in check. He goes. Um, I remember how this felt before. Right after my parents died, the reporters and the photographers, everyone wanting a piece of me. Even after I lo- I already lost the woman on the news yesterday. She walked on their grave. Wayne Enterprises is falling apart. Vesper <clears throat> murdered in my home. People walking on my parents' grave. This has to stop. I I, I you know it's like it's like it's it's. I think even the best of times you can sympathize with his plight because i would you know it's it's kind of like i don't want okay this, this is going to have a reaction at you it's what i imagine it's kind of like being canceled online because there's this all of a sudden there's this discourse on what you did what you meant to do who you are as a result of that and what should happen to you in in a sense of course this is fictional but this is also a much more stark circumstances but it's that kind of like presumption of identity that you know even if, if you want to be into it you don't want to be you don't want to be like you know given therapy by a bunch of strangers who aren't taking you seriously and to do that to batman i mean i i don't know who came up with this idea but it's, it's such a cool idea and, and i think that, that like it's some of the best writing is in this issue by, by ed brubaker what do you think about it oh yeah no i and it's interesting just to see the transition like this whole thing is almost like a spectrum uh, the varied colors of of who this man is and how he's trying to keep it together and and be Bruce Wayne here and then it's just really hard and there's one last moment I think that you start to see Bruce when Alfred comes to see him but then that night I'm pretty sure it's that night is when he's just like I'm done with all of this when they come to to get him <laughs> white supremacists Aryan Brotherhood that's it I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah yeah. go ahead oh no and and i assume here with the tapping is when he told alfred to get that base ready oh yeah well the morse code that that alfred himself taught him Mm -hmm. which which is an awesome detail that we rarely see them interact on that level and and again it's it's like you know this is kind of thing that was just like i mean harry and i talk about this often or at least lately about like the depictions of batman in the media and I just like it, you know. I don't need him to be like you know. He has a bazillion plans for everything, but he thinks on the fly. So when he when he employs a technique from the British Secret Service that Alfred taught him, possibly when Bruce was even a kid, I think that's mega cool. 
Mm-hmm. And and he's, you know, do this, do this, do this. While he's saying, I'd really like to get back to work out for all this, this, this whole mess. Because so there's no way that people can re- see that, observe that, and think anything of it. And mm-hmm. and and then and the next page, he, he destroys a bunch of racists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting just how, like, this is the last time we see him as Bruce Wayne, I would say. Yes, I would agree. I, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, he's and then he's uh, just, well, the dialogue too. Like, uh, they think Bruce Wayne should be on his knees, begging for mercy on his knees in an alley, in his parents' blood, always weak. But right now, in these short, sharp moments in this dark cell, there is no Bruce Wayne, and I feel that forever how much you can you know argue about the, the, the Bruce Wayne mask or the Batman mask and who he is and who he was when his parents died. In this moment, in this moment, for the circumstances, this rings entirely true. Mm. This is because he is at his worst here, and this feels right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. I agree with you. I, I think that this is a really strong issue. Really show- well, Again, I really like that they showed what his time was like in prison. And then I think <laughs> because there's not much to do, I guess, besides walking the yard and reading and things, he has a lot of time to contemplate and, and things are from the outside world coming to uh him still and it i don't know if that tv program was the catalyst but it kind of seems like it was of just like this is it and then when we get to this place it's just a a marvelous transition that it, it doesn't go from like point a to point b but you see like point a point one point two point three you know until you get to to b which is great it's a really strong issue yeah, no, it's just uh, Scott McDaniel's artwork is just, and these guys are like kind of like <clears throat> half alive, and again, he's 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 being taken to solitary. Like, oh my god, they're arresting him, and I love the the, the detail of the word balloons kind of like like swirling and fading in the background as he stares at the bat signal. It's like again, his his sense of identity and his reputation and his psyche is being attacked, and he and all he's thinking about, you know, like like everything that they're they're everything that they're addressing isn't me and that bat signal was me it's just awesome yeah and he doesn't hold back like this is also i think you learn now what type of batman he is because there's someone in traction i think like he does i guess he does hold back because they're not dead but he really lets loose to it to an extent that he doesn't normally yeah it's a kind of violence i remember during lonely place of dying in batman year three when you understand that he teaches robins because you know he he knows how to kill, but it's it's like you know we never brutalize. We're not brutalized. We think we think with our heads. We never inflict as much damage as is intended. And here, I mean, yeah, these guys are racist, so yeah. <laughs> no one's gonna feel bad for them. But like, they didn't even attack him. Really, it wasn't so much self defense. It was it was much more of an assault on his part. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's that kind of it's one of the things we're like all things considered, like oh no no, but it makes for terrific reading. Yeah. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on five ninety nine? I mean, I'm just rocking out. If you can see me, I've, I've been like kind of dancing half the time. We're doing because that issue that was like the Zaz issue from from a uh, uh, Nightfall. It was, it was like it was like hardcore action in a way which really really because I, I I'm not even into Batman for fight scenes and stuff, but that was it's not even the fight scene, but just like the intensity mm-hmm. of Batman in this issue was re- and for you know yeah yeah he's a jerk yeah and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. But I really like him with this one. Finally, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I mean, were, were you reading this like you know, tis tis tis? Where's Bar- where's Barbara? Where's Barbara? Golly, <laughs> you know that only happens in Batgirl. No, I, I recognize that this. Yes, I recognize that this is <laughs> this is 
a Batman story. So I don't know how she would insert her. I only do it when it's like, realistically, where is Barbara? She should be here right now. Where is she going to be? You know, rolling in with the Asian heroes. Where is Barbara Gordon? Okay. Oh, wait, we're going with this. Do you just call me out on that? The celebration of heroes. Is that what you just did? That's yes. fine. Okay, that's fine. I will absolutely, because you called me an effing troll on your own <laughs> podcast. Let me just tell you that I I want to defend myself because I'm sorry you're, that you're the video I'm sorry the video is not on. But because hey, all I'm so happy for you, Cassandra, that your front page, you've got the back row costume. But at the same time, because we're in this weird, funky continuity, how did you get that back row costume? I'm just afraid that in lifting her up, we've forgotten about the legacy and that there isn't an emotional moment of Barbara giving her the reins of it. That's all I needed. Just like one scene, maybe a candle is involved. Who knows? You know that oath. But that's it. There's nothing wrong with me asking for that. It makes sense. You weren't asking for that. You were demanding it across (laughs) the internet. Where's my bar- the internet? Ay, ay, ay. This is why you and I can never be. Because of this. I know. <laughs> it would, if uh, we ever went down the aisle, we'd have to have written in our vows that, you know, Cassandra and Barbara and Bruce would not break us up. Like, we would have to have some serious talk. Um, what, what if Cassandra Kane is my best man? I guess if, if you wanted to go that way. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Batman five ninety nine? Oh no, no, I, I've uh, I've uh, been inappropriate enough. Uh, I'm sure that you have a lot to say about the next the next issue. I do, I think, to a certain extent, yeah. So, just shout out to Ian Prime. He actually posted this recently on Twitter about. I think it was something like the character that got you into the comics and the character that's your favorite now or favorite when you started. And Mm -hmm. he posted this cover um, and said, this is, you know, I can't, it was just like a standout for him. And I thought I'm about to, how ironic, you know, here we are. I didn't know that that was Sasha, but it makes sense that it is, but it just doesn't look like her. And also why is she wearing that sort of stuff? Um, And I'm sure that my chief Tata correspondent, Carolyn Coca. The grand professor herself would have to say something about the tatas, but I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I have a serious question for you, an actual serious one. Sure. Because this is the second prison issue that we've had. How do you feel the prison scenes and descriptions in this particular story? And even if we think back to the previous one, the Aryans and everything like that, hold up to 2021. Do you feel like there's anything like do you because now, you know, when I think about if I see cops and there's like a black character and I'm in 2002, it's going to read differently mm. for me. Or if I'm reading prison scenes, it's going to read differently for me now, knowing, you know, this. And she even talks about, I mean, the whole first page, this is the first page, right? She talks about Blackgate was designed to hold 900 convicts and now holds in excess of twice that number. Like that's true to now probably worse. Just over 300 of them are women. They do have a variety of races and ages as are shown there. But do you feel like it's as true 2002 as it is 2021? Or do you feel like this maybe shows its age, these two issues, and especially this one, maybe? You know what? Yeah, I was considering modern understanding, like, you know, in in a post uh, the New Jim Crow kind of world, it's kind Mm. of how the, the depiction of prison 
was presented here. Because there's more of this in Bruce Wayne Fugitive. And I, I was remembering kind of the harsher stuff that happens later on. There was some of it felt kind of cliched and, and old, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like, 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 this is my seat, that kind of thing. I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's not the kind of comic thing. But how are they perceived? I, I felt that like there wasn't the sense of, you know, like everybody who, who was in prison deserves it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it definitely has, you know, it's, it's criminals, but they kind of, they do kind of just zero in on uh, Sasha, yeah. but who, who has bullies. And I'm, and I'm not sure, like, but I don't know if Sasha ever says, you know, every single one of, every single person here is an awful drug dealer. I'm not one of them. It's like, she's just kind of focused on the situation. And I think that, because again, was this, was this Detective Comics? I feel that this was Brubaker. Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucker worked in Gotham Central and they have a smarter understanding of the, both the police industry and the prison the prison industry mm-hmm. than many writers at the time. So with the, you know, the woman calling her Queenie and stuff, there was some cliches, but I didn't feel this was like completely eye rolling because mm-hmm. it just kind of zeroed in on Sasha's. Like, I don't even know if Sasha, Sasha hardly speaks in this issue mm-hmm. except for like her lawyer. And it's the situation rather than like, you know, I don't deserve a prison. It was just like more of like, you know, how am I going to get out of this kind of thing? And mm-hmm. that, made it an easier thing i feel that like a lesser writer would have made this much more like you know person sucks never getting here because everyone here is evil and it's not that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and it may be uncomfortable the fact that the men are in such close proximity to the women <laughs> i yeah. just feel like blackgate probably has a high uh sexual assault rate on i i mean i know they're separated but i just feel like mm, this no good can come from this i'm afraid but yeah <laughs> yeah 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 was this when she talks about her yeah. dislike of vain and selfish? Yeah. So this is what I'm talking about. Like, is she a reliable narrator or not? She was vain and selfish. And it seemed like she only wanted Bruce for the spotlight he'd bring her. And there are emphases, vain, selfish, Bruce spotlight. The cops play the 911 call for me. Vesper Fairchild's last moments as a magnetic memory on a spool of tape. She pleaded for her life. She begged. It didn't do her any good. And I closed my eyes and I imagined her pain and her terror. And I want to weep for her. So uh, because she didn't deserve that, no one deserves that. So I really appreciated the insight of that. Uh, While she may not have liked Vesper, that no woman deserves that, of course. And then you also get a sense of, oh, this was the reason why she was crying and why it really hit her those issues ago when she was being interrogated by Renee Montoya. Yeah, I think it's cool because, like, you know, it doesn't come across as like, I don't like her because she was Bruce's ex. I mean, there might be some of that, but it, it comes across as like just, you know, like Vesper as a victim. Yeah, before then, I, I never had a good opinion of her, but hearing her last moment was just, it's just like it, the whole thing's just awful. And it makes Sasha feel more of a real character. Absolutely. Uh, so here we are again. Oh, man. She does like yeah. being in love with him. And this is, yeah, this is the part where I was thinking um, that she's lying, but internally she's telling us what the true answers, answers are. And then I'm scared. I don't want to doubt. I don't want to lose faith. I lied to David. I wasn't with Bruce the whole night. The night that Vesper died, we were apart twice. Right. Because if the listeners listening haven't read the story, um, when mm-hmm. Batman and Sasha and Costume went out, there are just a couple of moments where Batman got ahead of her and he beat her back to the back to the Batcave before she did. And she finds him in the Batcave and they both walk up to the, to the stairs and that's when they discover Vesper. But there are a couple of moments where Batman wasn't with her like 100% of the time. It was like 98% of the time. 
Yeah. So doubt is creeping in. So which is really interesting, especially coming from Sasha. And and this is going to be she's almost the beginning of it. So we had Crispus, who was on the he's like, yeah, instantaneously. Now we've got someone intimately involved having doubt. And I think this almost paves the way for other people that really shocks you that others doubt here. But why wait? Why do you think delay? This is part eight to bring up potential doubt about Bruce Wayne and coming from this really important character here that's sharing his fate that's tied. Her fate is tied with his. That's interesting observation. And perhaps they want, you know, oh. Batman's one of for murder. Well, obviously he didn't do it. So let's kind of go at clearing him. And they spent this amount of time setting up how complicated the case is. We see what Oracle's doing. We see what everyone's kind of coming back to Gotham. Yeah, the second half is much more emotionally driven. Um, I don't know if I recognize this far in how they kind of set up the doubt. But yeah, we're more than halfway through, through Bruce Wayne Murderer. And this is where, especially in Gotham Knights, it's not so automatic where you're like, well, he didn't do it because he's acting so weird. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that the prison violence, well, when I saw the blood, a rat was not what I thought was going to be under there, I have to say. And I think that's probably in real life or maybe Orange is the New Black has um, <laughs> spoiled me there with, with, well, not really spoiled, but dropped down of what I really would think. But she does. Oh. It's sad. She does get attacked later on. She doesn't even realize she's just off in her. Well, she had a bad, bad sleep, as she says, but she gets surrounded. I feel like she should have died right here and that she would have been shivved in real life. But perhaps we're saving it. And don't spoil because I actually don't know what happens. But yeah, I just feel like she would have died. Do you think that's is that just me? Do you feel like without knowing what you do know that this would have more realistically, she would have been shivved and then died or seriously wounded. I suppose. I'm not saying anything, okay. but I'll also say that like up to this point, I don't know what I was thinking. Okay. That's okay. I just, she seems to get it. I mean, she's beat up, but, but I really badly, this is of this issue. My favorite, my favorite moment. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. Bruce, the, Bruce, Bruce's hand on her shoulder. Yeah. And so you call me judgmental and hypocritical and frankly, it annoys you, but I do give him his, <laughs> I do give him his due when he, when he comes through and throughout this issue though, he was, he was a jerk to her because they were really close to each other. It just seemed like chicken wire was separating them and he never looked at her, never acknowledged her presence or said anything. And then she's like really down she just got beat up. She's clearly having a tough time. And he he chooses that moment, the moment that she needed it the most to reach out to her. And, and even that, you know, I guess a little shipper moment, but either romantic sure. or non-romantic of, of them touching hands, I think is great. I, it would have been really terrible had he not done anything there. I think that would have been like the breaking point for her. But he really comes he, he comes in clutch. As as they say, so I I do really appreciate this. I, I feel like this is a really beautiful moment and in really ugly situation and and a setting and a particular issue really. Yeah, because she was getting beat up. Oh, yeah. in front of it, you know. Uh, whereas before it was like kind of like, like dialogue and stuff, and Sasha fought back. But I love it's silent. Yeah. it's completely silent. And then he touches her shoulder. And then the mm-hmm. next page, it's just like that, it's gone. Just mm-hmm. like that, there is no doubt. He didn't do it. He's Batman. <laughs> ah, you gotta love it. You do have to love it. Now, do you think that's Batman or Bruce Wayne? There, 
That is a, you know what? Can we return to that after we finish 600? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a good oh, question. so sorry. Do you want to talk any more about 767? No, I think we covered it. Okay. So then we have Nightwing 66, which I thought was pretty cool, especially with Barbara. And Barbara. Yes. They're coming for you, Barbara. Okay. Yeah, that's, got, that's, yeah, that's is that. that what you're thinking? I yeah. have a couple scenes. Her hair's not too bad here. I like uh, this Professor design. Allen. Yeah, I do like it too. It's got a it's a feel like a particular feel. I can't it, it kind of has like even her, you know, she kind of reminds me of Audrey Hepburn here. Just like her her style uh, that she's wearing, okay. her clothing style and, and her her seating just kind of has that feel to me. Um, she was like I, a librarian to me in this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's who she is at the heart of it. I said page 215. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Uh, well, first, actually, because that's the heavier stuff, I want to say, hold on. OMG, Orpheus! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I ran across this when I was preparing for my presentation at DGSU. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought he was erased from history after his own story, and then he popped <laughs> up. And then he was in for two pages and was like, okay, I, I can tell I'm not wanted. I'll just be leaving. But it was great to see him. Yeah. His skin looks a bit lighter than I'm used to, but that's well. There's a, there's a kind of light thing because in the first thing he you know he has dark skin in the first panel. He's dark, yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, when, when he's like, you know, I'm one of the good guys. Like, like he, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. Okay. Because Nightwing's Nightwing's skin tone is the same as his in that in that weird one. Okay. Uh, this one and then the next issue, it's all about like conversations. But this conversation between Dick and Babs is something that I want to um talk about oh but haven't you this is barbara just for a second in your darkest imaginings wondered if bruce did murder vesper fairchild and he's babs never don't you remember <laughs> it wasn't that long ago i was in bruce's position accused of murder framed he didn't question my innocence and then <laughs> she says basically calling him out on his jerkishness no he just stripped you of your nightwing identity and left you to the wolves on your own there was good reason for some of that he admitted he was wrong after you cleared yourself that's bruce's style he treats us like cogs and when it turns cold in hell he apologizes until the next time he walks all over us look forget i said anything i need sleep so i want to thank dick grayson and barbara gordon for playing the part of donovan and stella (laughs) it really is Oh, my gosh. When I was reading this, I was like, "Uh uh-huh, Babs, you got it, girlfriend. You are 100% right. Yeah, I mean, thoughts on this besides it modeling true life. It is. Well, this is why I, I, not only do I love the story, spoilers, but I had to talk to you about it because there's so much of this. Because, like, Mm -hmm. it's like ever since the Huntress discussion a few years back, it's like, it's like our discussions on Backyard of Oracle have been kind of leading to scenes like this, where it's just openly talked about like listen how it treats us and i will say that like this what they're referring to i believe it was like a, a one shot if not a mini series it was outside the, the main nightwing book but it was a nightwing story where he's afraid of murder batman said you shouldn't be nightwing because that, that might tie because i think it was dick grayson afraid of murder that might tie you to like you know bruce wayne and stuff so he adopted like for one story like another identity was and then at the with, end he's um a- ted being night and i nt wing uh no because that was in the main book okay. This, okay. this 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 was like an extra. This is like a fifth week, like extra oh, one shot okay. thing. Like it's not out of continuity, but it wasn't. It wasn't among the main title. Gotcha. And that was also a long time ago. But like, uh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 she's she's like 
he wasn't very helpful in that story. And he's like, oh, he was helpful enough. And she, and she like rolls her eyes. <laughs> oh, man. Do you feel, do you feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? I wish I could see your face. Do you feel like Barbara's being unfair? No, not at all. No, okay. no, no. She, she, because, and this is again, this is Dixon. She's she, like, Dixon is having her comment on the, on the crap that Dixon made Batman do. And she's, she's like, he treats us so bad. I don't want to say treats, but like the way that he, you know, dictates things that are important to us don't relay a sense of consideration towards our feelings or care for our real being. Mm-hmm. And Dick's like, eh, it's not that bad. And, she, and she's like, no, it is that bad. Maybe he did kill somebody. Oh, gosh. Maybe he did kill. That sounds so bad. That sounds like a leap, though. Like just because he treats us as soldiers in his mission and don't don't see us as doesn't right. see us as human beings, he's going to be a murderer. So that does seem like she's there's a bit of a fallacy there. So so you don't you you're questioning Barbara's like well because I mean, Barbara's not saying he did it, but she's no. saying I'm not 100 percent positive that he didn't. Like it's, yeah. it's like it's like it's like her confidence in him is slipping in consideration of how his behavior has been. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. It's, it's, it's not the same as you know he yeah, did it and we got to stop him. That. Like he's changed, and so what if this is yeah. part of that change? This yeah. isn't the same Batman that like was like crossing his arms at her when she first became Batgirl. This is a different. Yeah. This is a different Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. It's great stuff. It is great stuff. Thank you. Thank you. That was well. Maybe there was. I guess that was it. Yeah. The conversation after the the Moxen scene. Mike Treat cuts to uh, Gotham Knights. So all this, all this, yeah, all oh, this stuff okay. is gone. Just to see, yeah, he had to. Oh, Orpheus. <laughs> I would be good guys. Oh, man. I know, I know, I know. That's a great story. Golly. Oh, yeah, and this. Oh, and that woman crying over him. Pretty interesting. So you, so now you're an expert on women. <laughs> I never make I'd a never statement that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, call it a feeling. Okay. And Lex Luthor. Really? It cuts. It doesn't do any of this. Oh, that, no, yeah, no, no. This is all in there. Yeah, the oh, last okay. page, the page you're on right now is the last page of this issue for the in my trade. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, this 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 right here is cut. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Uh, that oh, there's out? a riot stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not, none of this. There we go. No. Wow, that's horrible. This okay. this might this might be my favorite issue. How dare you? Why did you spoil it? Oh, because uh, I betray you all the time. Well, Donovan, it seems like the wedding's back on because this, in fact, is my favorite issue. Ooh, well, I, I said Mike, so, you know, it, there's still time. There is still time. Yes. Okay. Well, do you want to say why it may be your favorite issue uh, or do you want to wait? What we're talking about is uh, Gotham Knights. Yeah. Where? 26. The, yeah, the 26 and it's Nightwing, Robin, Oracle, mm-hmm. Alfred, and Leslie Tompkins. All talking about Bruce Wayne and really getting into it's 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 if he did it or not by way of what kind of person has he been mm-hmm. and just and just it's just cashing it out yeah. because Tim Drake you know Batman and Robin were his heroes and such and you know he came into their lives when Bruce was in still kind of recovering from Jason Todd's death and such but Dick Grayson is Dick Grayson so they naturally and this is this is where Devin Grayson. It should really be uh, honored as a writer because she puts in perspective their relationships. Because Tim says, this must be hard for you. It must be one thing if you knew he was innocent. And Dick is like, how could there be a Robin who thinks that Batman is guilty of murder? But mm-hmm. Tim is like, listen, I, I, 
I, I respect your relationship to him familiarly, but from from my experience to him lately, he's just been acting really weird. Can't we talk about that? <laughs> and and Dick, Dick, this is it's rare to see Dick Grayson this vulnerable because he's like, no, 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 no. I, I will not. I'll, I won't do anything less than defend him. And it goes through where basically Alfred and Dick are like, he would never do that. And Barbara and Tim are like, but he's acting kind of weird, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Playa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Leslie Thomas comes back, which is nice. And Wesley is also on the lines of, you know, it, it's potential as well. Can you say? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, because she's, she's like, you know, this man has lived by violence for yeah. so long that it's impossible to never have corrupted him. Yeah. And Alfred in this, because Alfred doesn't sound as defensive as Dick does. I mean, Dick sounds much more emotionally driven. Like, like Dick's arguments aren't that believable when Tim and Barbara retort. Alfred feels a lot more reliable. I, I, I believe Alfred more than I believe Dick because Alfred feels a bit more, I mean, he's, he's on Bruce's side, but he feels a bit more objective in that killing in and of itself dehumanizes somebody and the way that bruce wayne has such integrity that just doesn't go away overnight mm-hmm. um you know I, I, i've been like you know hearing myself talk what do you think about this no this is i mean you're basically saying everything that i would have said i can spoil now why this is my favorite issue because of these conversations there's basically no action it's all about yeah working through these doubts and you really get a sense of i was thinking while you were talking it'd be interesting to do hidden tribes with these characters and oh yeah figure out where they would be maybe maybe for for a fugitive we can do that for the intro but yeah just dick being such an optimist and an idealist and be like you know he's got to be and and just have holding uh, up the the mantle of robin and like how can there be a robin that that would believe this in batman and and each of their relationships coming into play and, and how their the differing relationships really add a different perspective and this is why i think the what i'm thinking right now and i love how conversations overlap so dick comes and almost decompresses or goes through that conversation with Barbara. And then she tries to give added perspective. And then Tim pops up. Yeah, again, she she says great. like, you know, like, like leave, you know, be a little easier on Tim because of all yeah. this. And then Tim pops in and they have another, Oh, I guess there isn't, I, I lied. There is an action scene right here. Right. Uh, and then they have, yeah, he never taught me to back away from any possibility that might lead to the truth. And he still believes that right. Question mark. I can't believe, yeah. So they're just two different. Love it. Yeah, man. And then at the end, isn't it? Uh, oh yeah, you've got Alfred talking to all the the suits as if Bruce were there. And then isn't there? Doesn't it end on a Leslie scene? Yeah, with Bruce. Yeah. So again, another overlap. So it's just amazing how you've got all these people that are so intimately connected with Bruce, mm-hmm. having conversations amongst themselves, then moving on to another person, almost rehashing it or saying like this happened and getting more feedback and then going back and then overlap and seeing all this happen. Of course, Dick and Alfred being really the the, the staunchest supporters of Bruce and, right. and not having doubt and then ending with, with Leslie. I just think that it's, yeah, it's marvelous. It's marvelously written. I think it's uh, it's beautiful. It's hard. It's tragic. I, I just love the conversations. And this is one of those, you know, points that comics don't need to have action. It did have a scene, but it could just be these really emotional and and bearing 
soul bearing conversations between people. And, and I feel like Devin Grayson really understands the characters well to mm-hmm. have those interactions. And I love that Tim came to talk to Barbara about that as well, <laughs> but Dick was already there. Yeah, like, show, like, yeah. Oh, I kind of want to talk to her before seeing you again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which just show. Yeah. I, I just love, cause I, I don't talk a lot about the, the Tim and Barbara relationship, but whenever I see them two together, I really, I really love them. So yeah, it's just an amazing I, I would give this if we were grading individual. If was, I would give this a ten out of ten. Absolutely, I just say, I don't care what Debbie Grayson did to Dick, but she she missed is it was a mistake. Like I think she she's of she's like Tom Taylor. She understands these characters. It's that kind of synergy where it's not just knowing who they are and how they react, but how they react towards each other. And I mean, Leslie's written terrifically because she's not a bazillion percent positive that Bruce didn't do it, but she still says, Bruce, come safely home. Your family is very worthy of you. Whatever you might have done, I will not give up on your soul. So it, it almost to her doesn't matter because mm-hmm. he's been living by violence all, all around. She still loves him. There's a scene where Dick and, Dick and Tim are having their requisite fight, fight scene with, with thugs in an alley. Nightwing says, there are three things I need you to know. I mean, really know deep in your gut. One, as long as you're safe with Batman or me, you're safe. Neither of us would ever let anything happen to you. Two, we don't quit. Not once has anyone who knows Batman's mission failed to get up after being knocked down. Three, Batman does not kill. Not ever. And then Robin says, one, Jason Todd. Two, Jim Gordon. Yeah. Three, so far. Sorry. Like, and, and Alfred's like, are you for real? But like, uh, it's, you know, because it works for the reader as well. It's like, these characters are trying to kind of you know, have a conversation with the reader who's really not sure. And I remember the last page, people are, people are really f- afraid that DC was doing this to, to Bruce because it wasn't a bazillion miles away from how he was behaving, you know, in previous stories. Like, there's that page where Alfred recalls the that Bruce Wayne's done where, you know, he abandoned Gotham City during No Man's Land. You know, he acted the way he did during Officer Down. And, you know, he blew Robin's identity after Robin tried so hard to keep it for, for Batman's sake to spoiler. So there are examples of Bruce kind of acting out of character recently. Mm-hmm. And it's just silent as, as Alfred is kind of going through it to kind of drive towards his thought process. And again, you know, again, you know, he did this and you, it, it, those, those are moments where you're like, well, that was kind of weird of him, but you know, that was kind of dark, but now it's just like, is this part of, is this development towards the route, route, route we don't want to, them to end up? And to me, it makes all the sense in the world that, like, if you think back to, like, the 60s Batman with Adam West and Burt Ward, Alfred and Dick Grayson are the two closest people to him. So they would have to have his back no matter what. If the whole world was against him, they would always defend him. But the people closest to Bruce after Dick and Alfred are Leslie, Barbara, and Tim. And they're on Bruce's side, but they can't lie to themselves about how his actions make them feel. And it's just... It's it's very, very good. Absolutely. Yep. And here's that page that you were talking about. The bottom right, uh, I'll just call hypocrite now because uh, 600 is when he calls out Cass knowing his identity. But yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I don't have anything else to say about this, but gosh, that is an amazing issue. I, I, I give it 10. What? Okay. Here's a little shipperific couple, uh, shipperific cover. It is Robin 99. I will say that, yes, crazy continuity. Here he is. He has awakened from the dead. So he's actually not had any confrontations with Dick. 
Oh, I did see something. It was this one that I saw that was funny. Oh, I hope I find it. The the the, the first page where he's Robin is where my trait starts on Robin. Oh, really? We'll get this. We're, we're, uh, yeah. Do you see something in the in that a Batman panel? plush? But what's in the plush? What's in the plush? <laughs> a utility belt. Pins. There are pins stuck in the Batman doll. Oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, evidently. Oh, man. Can you answer me this question? When was Jack rich? Has Jack been rich all the time? Jack Drake? Uh, now he's not rich anymore. Yeah, that was that was something that definitely that, that Dixon led into because Dixon's last issue in Robin is 100. And it ends with him it, with with uh, them being a lot more middle class. They lose their maid, Mrs. Mack and stuff. Uh, I, he's never been like Bruce Wayne rich, but he was wealthy. Like he, okay. like, 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 cause Tim was in boarding school and he, him and his wife would travel. And that's how Tim was training as Robin. Cause they were always away. And I forget what he did, but he was like, not terribly hard up for money. Now throughout the Robin series, he was portrayed as particularly middle-class like that. There weren't like, you know, in business suits and stuff, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is kind of a thing where like, uh, they had money, and then, and then by the by the end of this run, they don't. Okay, you know I don't have much to say about this except that it was a crazy continuity in the Batman doll. Do you have anything to say about this one? Well, I mean, like, there's a whole scene with uh, uh, Jay Devlin Davenport, who was a kind of like a recurring character in Dixon's Batman run all throughout the '90s. Like, he was in Detective Comics, he was in Batman, and he was just this rich jerk. Like he was just part of Gotham society. Who was rich? He was selfish. He was kind of a bad guy. He wasn't a crook. But he was just—he's—he's he's kind of like red herring from like a pup named Scooby Doo. Like, do you think he'd be a criminal? But he's just a jerk, and they're kind of probing to see, oh, does he dislike Bruce Wayne? Did he set him up? And he's like, nah, not really. And that's—that's that's all there is to it. I mean, Pete Woods is a good artist, but yeah, no, this is again the Robin issues are really the most tangential ones that were yeah, like, no doubt. Uh, I know that Chuck Dixon said he didn't like a lot of the crossover stories. I'm not—I sure, forget what he said about Bruce Wayne murderer, but like clearly. When it comes to Nightwing or Birds of Prey or Robin, he has his own plots that don't concern the overall story arc. Whereas before, that may not have been true. Yeah. Well, maybe he's fatigued after Joker last laugh. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then here's yet another hairstyle. Just FYI. So there you go. Okay. So then we'll move on to our Birds of Prey issue. Yep. So Birds of Prey 40, a lovely, another lovely cover of by phil noto and the colors are different this time so we've got more red blues and purples uh or salmons maybe and barbara not a floating head you can see her shoulders it's a bust yeah okay what do i have to say oh we find out here that vesper most likely knows that bruce is batman because of all of her investigations we have more canary and spoiler did you have this in yours that they're a little team up where canary bring well spoiler has an issue because her father and riddler are hanging out and there are a bunch of other criminals at the house and her mom can't kick them out because she's scared for good reason was this in that that was was a lot of that a lot of that stuff that you're mentioning was actually in like various robin issues um but no my birds of prey thing it starts with robin in the top left corner with a bunch of green lights Oh, green lights. You so all this Ted Cord stuff is not there. That's oh, where it okay. starts. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, it's fun to see Canary and Spoiler hang out. Um, mm-hmm. 
spoiler keeps saying we like, what are we going to do in the meantime? Because there's just a a wait, uh, I think, until Babs can download and listen to all the audio uh, from Vesper. And Donna's like, what do you mean we? And so anyways, Donna uses her canary cry and freaks all the, the people out and without much fighting gets them out of the out of the house and spoiler is happy about that i was surprised riddler didn't know black canary he's like who are you i thought that black canary would have been more well known that's weird yeah Yeah. i don't know you lady (laughs) that's kind of weird anyways there was a question let's see uh has bruce not worked through his trauma with the shooting i think this was when she was talking with tim this is where it's revealed that he bought the gun yeah, I think you might be right. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yes, good good one there. A guy who, oh, yeah, here we go. So funny, isn't it? A guy who hates guns so much because Bruce actually was there. There's videotape up to then. There, It's just been like someone has said that he bought it. And Bab says hates them but doesn't fear them. And Tim says not the way he jumps in the line of fire night after night. Line of fire, Bab says. I was afraid of them for a long time. I'd go faint yeah. at the sight of a gun on TV. You have reason, Barbara. So does Batman. But I worked through them, Barbara says. Maybe Bruce hasn't. Maybe he's not the rock we thought he was. And Tim says he bought a gun as therapy. And she says, look at the facts. He bought it just like any other citizen, like he wanted to experience it as someone else would. So what do you think about this? Has he not worked? Do you agree with this? That I was going to say hypothesis that Bruce hasn't worked completely through his trauma and that this is the way to do it. And then I guess my follow up would be if it is that what he's doing, why would it be? It seems so late in the game to to do it. You know, (laughs) I would have thought that he would have attempted this a bit earlier. But yeah. So thoughts on this conversation and and that hypothesis. I like. Tim and Barbara talking through this is, uh, is is cool. The Bruce and the gun thing, I mean, again, this will be revealed or answered in Bruce Wayne Fugitive. Okay. But I, again, I remember when I was reading it back in the day, I was like, why is he doing that? Because it was such a like, wait, he bought the murder weapon? Like, like that really perplexed me. I, I, I could not think of a single reason why he would do that. And the idea that he owed oh, me bought his therapy, that's kind of a wild presumption possibly yeah but i like i like the idea that like you know because this is something that chuck dixon has established before like 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 batman and robin know how to use firearms but they don't use firearms like they know Mm -hmm. how to use it they know how to they know how to how it's used they know how to disarm them they know how to disassemble them they know how to reassemble them he has an armory in the bat cave but they're there that's not part of their arsenal specifically says you know we are not afraid of them but he does and this is brought up again recently uh in batman urban legends like, like jason todd found his, his his arsenal and batman's like yeah but we don't use these but it's interesting that like he goes out and despises an everyday gun looking like a, like you know like a criminal would like, not, i should say like a criminal would precisely but like the way that it's it's, it's, it's depicted it looks like like someone in his position who's, who's arrested for murder might so tim and barbara are like okay so why does somebody who kind of has a, dis- a distaste for guns do that and they kind of try to psychoanalyze him in a way which i'm sure those news reporters also try to do because mm-hmm. I'm sure they got that footage as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. And then I think my favorite line from Barbara is <clears throat> the next page. Oh, where it's, it's like Bruce Wayne escapes, Bruce Wayne escapes, Bruce Wayne escapes, and she's just like arrogant fool. <laughs> I know. She's like, no. What is what is the matter with him? <laughs> no faith in us. No faith at all. 
Oh, which is true because he actually calls them out. He actually confesses that oh, later in 600 that he didn't expect more from them. And in, in, yeah. I expected better from that. Wait, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy. Any other thoughts on this? Oh, man. Look at that. Look at his face. I'm here, Babs. And I heard I'm on the way to the cave. And Bruce better have some answers. Yeah. Everyone's now converging at this point. Oh, man. Uh, no, Robin, not by yourself. Oh, golly. And and poor Babs is stuck on Skype for the rest of the story. I know. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, she's yelling at them like, please stop. Stop, 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 stop. Uh, I find that funny. But yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, okay. So this is it. Batman 600. The cops are like, you know, Bruce Wayne would never return to the scene of the crime. As we see yep. Batman and Wayne Manor. There he is. And that's the best way to do it, man. Do we find out how he escaped? No, but I mean, he's Batman. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, so it's, 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 it. it's, not the, it's not the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. We go through his sordid history with Vesper, as well as other people like Silver Sing Cloud and Selena too, right? Selena, Dick Grayson. This is, this is, this is oh, not how it went down in 1969. They did say goodbye to each other. So, like, this is sort of a retcon here. Okay. And he follows down to Jason Todd in the Batcave. Yeah. Where he's like, did you treat Dick like this? And and he's like, you know, you listen to me or, or you turn on your costume. <gasps> Which I think is fair because, you know, for God's sake, it's Jason Todd. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Oh, here it is. Bruce, we need to talk. All of us. Oh, yeah. So an intervention. Oh, now something looks the matter with Cass to be continued. Yep. We don't know mm. what it is, but we also do know what it is, but we won't say here. Yeah, yeah, uh, you, you know what it is. I do. Okay, an intervention. Okay. Oh, and, and Bruce, Bruce yep. says, you know, you're, call, you're calling me Bruce in front of her. He points to Sandra. Oh, she knows. So I, I know. see. Golly, isn't that isn't that terrible? He like treats her like a non-entity, like she didn't need anything. <laughs> that, thing, that 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 inanimate object over there, I you dare know. call me by my, my Christian name oh in front of God. her? Yeah, it's like that panel in um God Loves Man Kills where he's like that, you know, mutey or whatever it was. Yeah, you call that human? Yeah, that's what it is. There's a really potent line. I don't know if it was at the end. But Dick wonders who he is without Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's do like. Do you have it, any it, thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm trying to get. To, I was thinking about that today. Was it at the end? It's, well, th- this this leads up to like Batman has no intention of clearing Bruce Wayne's name mm-hmm. because because they ask him. Okay. Well, I just want to kind of kind of guide us there because he's like you know you know you guys do what you got to do I'm out of here and and how, how does Bruce Wayne say it it doesn't buy and then. Tim pulls on his cape and he's like, tell us you didn't do it. And Batman's like, oh, so it's like that. <laughs> and Dick's like, no. Barbara's like, yes. And Tim's like, maybe. And Cassandra says nothing. And then they're like, look, I was like, I don't believe you could have done this. And Barbara's like, I don't either. But this, you know, this is really weird. For instance, there's this video footage of you buying the murder weapon. Is this you? And Batman's like, yeah, that's me. And then he's like, why would you do that? He's like, you wouldn't understand. So he doesn't answer about that. And then they go through the idea that Vesper Fairchild figured out he was Batman and was going to go to the press, which he says it's not true. She was not going to do that. And then I was like, listen, there's a lot of evidence against you. Let us help you, please. Batman closes his eyes, and then he says, see ya. And so that Nightwing yells at him for several pages. I think it's the point where, where he's like, how could you do this? Because, because there is no Bruce 
Wayne. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne is a mask that I wear. I've been wearing it since I was a child, but now it's a liability. So it's over. And Dick is losing it because he's like, no, listen, where does it leave you and I? You and me. If there is no Bruce Wayne, then who was Dick Grayson, the adopted son of? Who raised me? Mm-hmm. Can you answer that for the second time? Or maybe third time. Batman can't answer. He's just silent. And then he just, you know, presses rewind and says, I'm leaving. And then that's when everything goes to hell. Yeah. He tries to get in the car multiple times and, and Dick yeah, doesn't do it. I thought that was really poignant there. Yeah. Who is Dick Grayson if there's no Bruce Wayne? Because it interrogates like, you know, are you telling me that like our entire relationship was 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 a plan by the Batman? Or was it Bruce Wayne who saw himself in Dick Grayson and brought him in, brought him into his life for a better life? It, it, like, like what is, which, which is true and which is not? And if Bruce acknowledges, oh, yeah, the, the, the evidence of Bruce Wayne is standing right in front of me, then his entire, like, raison d'etre for behaving this way mm-hmm. falls apart. And so he doesn't know how to answer that because he's kind of crazy <laughs> in this yeah. moment. On the flip side, do you feel like this is almost a negative character aspect of, of Dick and he should be his own man. And, and why can't he be Dick Grayson without anybody else? I mean, wasn't that one of the primary reasons he became Nightwing to, to become his own man apart from Batman? No, no, because this is not about him being an independent person. This is about how Bruce, who, how he, how he sees Bruce Wayne and how he relates to Bruce Wayne. This isn't about his sense of self. This is about, Okay, yeah, Bruce Wayne, yeah, Batman. He doesn't work for him, you know. They're not blah 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 blah. But he's not pretending that they don't they don't have any relationship, mm-hmm. you know. And again, Bruce just made him his adopted son legally. That meant a lot to, to Dick. I think they were both crying when they did that. Mm-hmm. So to throw that all away, it's it's like if you do if you if you say what you're saying, then my life, my my own sense of identity suddenly doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. because I didn't just go off into limbo after my parents died you know yeah i was robin but i'm still dick grayson and you know again that silent panel of batman speaks volumes Mm -hmm. because it it reinforces the fact that like he didn't bring in dick for some clinical reason he brought in dick because he could not ignore seeing himself in dick grayson and you know the father and son relationship that they built out, out of that foundation and that's a Bruce Wayne thing. That's not a Batman thing. It's not part of the mask because if I was part of the mask, then Dick Grayson wouldn't be a real person. Mm. And so, you know, he's, he, he just repeats himself again because it's kind of like not knowing what to say to somebody that you're, you know, ha- ha- being at a loss of words, essentially. Yeah. And he's like, I'm leaving now. Whatever is Bruce Wayne standing up, up in that house. And Dick has absolutely had it. Or like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I can't remember the last time they came to blows like this. I mean, in yeah. New Titans 55, after Jason dies and, and Dick yells at him about it, Bruce does hit him there. But here, Nightwing is laying into Batman quite a bit. And I remember re- reading this and like feeling my hands shake as I was turning the pages. <laughs> like, he's like, like, yeah, one free one that I'm leaving. And, and Nightwing just, and, and the entire time, you see, imagine Barbara's just like slamming on the screen. Stop it. I know. And everyone else is a gog. You've got Cass back yeah. there. And yeah. Yeah. Tim is like watching mm-hmm. his heroes fight. They're flying through the Batcave. Yeah. And Dick is just yelling, stop it. Stop avoiding me! Acknowledge me! And and and, it's, and Barbara's right to, to to ask him stop it because you know what's it going to solve? Mm-hmm. But I think, I think Tim and Caster's worried for each other's safety. And then when Nightwing says acknowledge me, damn it, Bruce lays him out on his feet with two mm-hmm. hits and says stop calling me Bruce. And so he starts fighting back. Nightwing throws a, a roundhouse punch, and the inevitable happens, and he flies straight into 
Jason Todd's memorial. Yeah. Because remember, kids, this is back when Jason Todd was still very much dead, and yeah. that puts that, that gives everyone the distraction. Batman needs to hightail it out of there. Skedaddle. Yeah. Oh no, you've touched his costume. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I mean, Cass, you kind of see her small back there, but I'm glad that they focused on the characters that like really understand what the significance of that is. Because uh-huh. I yeah. think she's not so, so in the family yet that she knows every like little detail of why this would be important. But I think she understands like the the crux of it. Is, is Bruce, is Batman's mission different without Bruce? Well, I mean, it, it definitely it, it depends on kind of the angle you go at it. Like, like, is it different for Batman, or is it different objectively, like pl- plainly? Because as Bruce Wayne, he maintains a, the face of his father's company. He maintains a face of public good in Gotham, but he also maintains a celebrity that kind of you know gives Gotham a, a reputation to have influential people living there, as well as maintaining various businesses to help with charities and uh, technological development. As Batman. He's somebody who utilizes Bruce Wayne's sense of justice and sense of anger towards criminality to excise it in a way which he feels is, is the most positive and best way to fight crime. Mm. So if he's just Batman, then he's really not any different than any other vigilante who lives. Like I was, I was ever talking to Harry about the Punisher. The Punisher doesn't live anywhere. He doesn't have you know a different identity. He doesn't answer anybody. You know, he doesn't have anybody that he reports to. He's just his mission 24-7. And he has very little friends because of it. And very much very little respect. Like remember in Civil War when he kind of capped those two D-list villains and Captain America beat him up. It's like I could I must have been crazy to bring him on my team. Like there's very little respectability about somebody like that who doesn't use who who only uses their means to commit violence and you know with bruce wayne's means his his wealth you know there goes the charity there goes the wayne foundation there goes lucius fox and a lot of good lucius fox does through wayne enterprises there goes the youth center there goes funding the the leslie thompson's clinic on park row there goes all of that you know because batman's got to punch the joker in the face Mm-mm-mm. i'm just on this page uh with with barbara crying and then uh, Cass is the one who brings it up that batman never answered the question ever sa- said he didn't kill the woman but he didn't yes yeah oh, interesting that she uh and then poor poor dick walking away he looks he so yeah he, yeah or- he really uh, or what no offense but i always thought if you two ever came to blows he'd really nail you and then he said he did him it's so sad. Yeah, look he, at this. Let I, ex- down. Oh, I expected more from them. No, I didn't. Or I would have told <laughs> him about my escape plan. I'm like, oh, what a terrible man you are, sir. <laughs> and then he goes into a nuclear submarine. Bat Jerk Incorporated. Uh, yes, please. I will go. DC, pay me to write that book. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be 600 again and again and again. I love that shot. I love that shot where like the smoke's rising from, right from the room as Batman leaps off a building. That, that, that's well, kind of weird because I thought that he was going underground and then all of a sudden he's above ground. It was, uh, I had to kind of figure out what was happening there, where exactly the cave or his new base of operations is. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's going for it. He's 100% Batman. And uh, I told Donovan about this. I was like, he lays this guy out. He's mugging. I don't, maybe there's a potential assault in, in the works, but let's say it's a mugging and he throws three batterings in that man. 
Um, so Overkill is his middle name, and that's well, yeah, name? it's it's a guy's it's a guy's arm. It's his, well, it's his arm. You know, it's what? not his face or anything. You know what? What if it's his <laughs> chest? What if you can't see well enough? Okay, whatever. Well, Donovan, I know you love this particular issue. Uh, what would you like to say about it? I just remember feeling so scared when I was reading this. Like, like is DC turning Batman crazy? Do we have, crazy? Do we have to accept this? Yeah, yeah, because because like the Bat family reacts to it. Is yeah. you know, it's not just you know, what if you say Batman and like us, like the Snyder movies pretending that that this is normal human behavior? Like everyone's like, you know, what are you saying? Because this 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 concept of Bruce Wayne is a mass Batman is a real identity. I mean, it makes there's a logic to it. Like Kevin Conroy kind of sees the character like that, but I like how this story. I mean, we, we can continue this conversation in Bruce Wayne Fugitive. But this really is kind of the ultimate story of who Batman is, mm-hmm. because you have the brutality and the violence and the cold behavior running up against the evidence of love that is embodied in the Bat family. Mm-hmm. Because everyone that he's brought into his life are rushing to defend him, and he's making it harder for that. And then you have to, and then they have to wonder what precisely what effect has he had on their lives. And has, you know, has he changed? Was he always this way? Who is Batman? And I just feel that, like, in that way, this is one of the more subtle explorations of Batman's character in ways which I feel that there just aren't writers right now that are smart enough to perceive it in this light. It's either just, hit, hit, you know, he's either a dick or he's not. And it's not like, you know, of course, this is a very extenuating circumstance. He's wanted for murder or former girlfriend. so. His actions make sense. But what's going on is that this is an exploration of him being like this. It's not saying that this is right. It's not saying this is who he is. It's threatening the idea of him being, because he looks like a monster. He's hulking over. He's gritting his teeth all over the place. Like, he looks scary. Yeah. Like, like Robin pulling on his cape Mm, is kind of a. Yeah. It's it's kind of a stark image. Mm. And, you know, you have Cassandra, you know, the new kid. Like, like, like witnessing all of this and it's like his he's on his worst behavior in front of her you know he's he's been, he's, he's clearly tra- been trying to make an example uh, in front of her and raise her right in terms of you know how he wants to raise her and here he's just he's just he's just like you know flittering about acting crazy for the people who know him better than she does but and again this this you know, we can complete this conversation after bruce wayne fugitive yeah. but here it's like everyone's worst idea of batman like, because I, I hear, I, I really can't stand listening to podcasters go on about the character because I feel that like they've not read the story where this idea of him, of, of this being the default persona is accepted rather than understood as an aberration. Because this is an aberration. And this is the comic book and the, and the characters and the, and the writers who, who work on him best, like Ed Brubaker, Chuck Dixon, Devin Grayson, saying that this is very wrong and we need to know how this happened. And it's just masterful. I mean, I, I know I put this in my top 10 Batman stories when I wrote on about it on TBU, specifically Batman 600. And I just think that, like, you know, as awful and traumatic as it is to read, I love how the Bat family respond to it and the artwork that accompanies just, like, the intense feelings and emotions that go through it. I mean, again, I mean, because it's not to, not to, not to jump ahead of you, it sounds like you enjoyed the story. And to me, it's just like you just don't get storytelling this way this good anymore or at least it's mm-hmm. been a long time yeah yeah I'm not like sure. when you when you when you went into this mm-hmm. did you know what to expect 
No, I no. I suppose my expectation was, well, clearly he didn't do it. So they're going to find some way to get him out of it. And that didn't happen. And then <laughs> it, it, it was not certainly the murder is the the focal point, I suppose. But the greater story is, yeah, about, you know, what is the sort of the true persona and, and what's been going on <laughs> and then stripping everything away. And here we're getting to this guy here and what's the real story behind all of it and to be continued. And yeah, so it became more complicated than I think on the surface I would have yeah thought about. Yeah. Now, uh, did you have any particular moments from, I mean, you, you listed uh, what Dick says to, to Bruce. Was there anything else that kind of struck out to you that you haven't mentioned about this issue? About this issue? No, the fight, it's always hard when, and you know, there's always the cliche, like two heroes meeting each other for the first time. Of course, there's going to be a fight, but this sure. is hard. This is hard to watch. <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel like to a certain extent, Bruce is, wanting not to connect physically with dick for personal and emotional reasons and then he does just like lay him out and golly yeah to almost like have your hero really just disappoint you and everything you've learned was a lie it's it's really hard it's hard for all of those people that are involved there i wonder too bad we didn't get a perspective of Cass and what she's how she's been dealing with all of this stuff She's like, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? I feel like she's probably really confused. And it'd be interesting to get into her headspace of like, why? Why is he like this? Yeah, I don't I don't have uh, much else to say. I have a couple, like two questions overall, overall stuff. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts on 600? I mean, yeah, so definitely one of my favorite century issues. Because uh, okay. 500 was nightfall where uh, i think Azrael beat defeated bane <gasps> 400 was a story where batman where we're basically rachel ghoul broke out all the villains from arkham and batman just taught how to stop and then beyond that I'm, I'm not really familiar with 100 200 300 and then 700 was a grant morrison issue i think where, where dick and damien were batman and robin 800 i don't remember i think that was a dvd two story same with 900 and then 1000 we actually have copies of 1000 oh no no batman 1000 not come out yet um so i'm not positive I, I, so uh no i, I think you're a fake fan you don't even know when certain issues are out i sure am fake i'm just kidding okay so i have two questions one of them is something that i could have asked way long ago but here we are why do they never show bruce's emotional state regarding vesper and the death they don't show it now oh okay um, so it does pop up that question gets answered yeah, once you once you get the fugitive, it's, it, there's a lot more of a Bruce Wayne's pr- perspective. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Okay, how does this for you? You kind of talked about this, but here we are. How does this rate with other events for you? I was actually thinking about that as I, as I was like as I was just like slobbering a minute ago. After Nightfall, this is probably my favorite Batman story. Okay. Um, I mean, in, in addition to like Batman Ego, Batman Venom all that kind of stuff. But like okay, in terms of the crossovers, yeah. like the, yeah. the Bat Family crossovers, it's Nightfall and Bruce Wayne Murderer. Definitely. Do I really you love consider it. the separate than Fugitive? So when you're really thinking about it, you think the Murder Fugitive and that as a whole, this is up there? Or are you treating it separately? I think it's kind of like, like how, okay, so like my favorite part of Nightfall is the part one Broken Bat versus Bruce Wayne. And I, and I love all the stuff that comes after it, but that's my favorite bit. I like a lot of Fugitive, but my favorite stories are in here. Okay. If that makes sense. But I do consider them a Bruce Wayne murder of Fugitive as a whole. Yeah. I think it 
it's up there for me. I don't know if I've ever sat down and, and made a list and now it's it's ever changing because I'm constantly moving forward in history, which sounds like a weird phrase. M- maybe, maybe it's top five. You know, I'm just thinking of the big ones. Ooh. I mean, maybe. Yeah. You know, No Man's Land, I think might be number one if I were to think about crossovers and, and all of that. And Nightfall, I did have fun with Nightfall. So I might have to think a bit more of that before I fully answer. I should have maybe done research. But yeah, I would say probably top five if I'm thinking about it. There's a lot of Oracle in this. Oh, yeah, there is. And Oracle is speaking the truth. She is <laughs> What do you mean? She only called him an arrogant fool and like said that she treated Nightwing crappily. And yeah, and they were called in the machine. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, do you want to fall down now on your favorite issue? I mean, I love the Gotham Knights run, period. The Devin Grayson uh, run of that, that series. And yeah, that's it's like Gotham Knights, <clears throat> Batman 599. Oh, well, yeah. okay. Bat- Thank you for for being here this late. Oh, it's twelve <laughs> thirty. It was uh, my, okay, okay. my uh, technology's uh, fight. No, it's fine. It's fine. I, I uh, probably uh, got the Gotham Knights twenty six, but like right, it's like A plus, and then uh, A is like you know Batman six hundred, Batman five ninety nine. That's probably the top three for me. I would say so. Yeah. Okay, and then I've already said my one. I think I'll just say my my top was Gotham Knights twenty six. Right? Yeah. Okay, and then final question on this, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. What would you give it out of ten, Bruce Jerks? <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding me! Are you are you kidding me? Ten, 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 ten. Yeah, yeah. Your your court of owls, or your uh, Joker wars, or your uh, uh, whatever you know. Or your long Halloweens, or your dark bright returns, or your also rants, or your top five list of stories that every idiot has read already and considers as a Batman fan because it's cliche. Bruce Wayne murderer fugitive is one of the best Batman stories ever told, and I'm not even saying it's a hot take; it's the right take. Uh-huh. And because the story is so repeatedly slept on, uh-huh. it just it reinforces my idea that nobody else knows how to do these characters like 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 some of these writers here. Okay. I'm going to give this to Harry because I think Harry would really enjoy this. There you go. Give him all the gifts. I think I'm not going to give it a 10. I think I would maybe Why give not? it because I have some issues with the Robin things that there were unnecessary stuff and Cass not being involved in the secret. That was a bit bizarre. And anything else? Yeah, I just have little nitpicks here and there that make it not a 10. So I'm going to say 9.5. <laughs> oh you the 26 i'd give a 10 like certain issues maybe i would but but the overall experience i wouldn't okay donovan you're wearing a shirt would you like to show what your shirt is i haven't done what are you wearing for a long time actually i forget if i wore the other version of this like the fox kids version but it's the tim it's the uh tim levins from the gotham knights artist it is the the new batman adventures batman with bat family with oh. Batman, Robin, Nightwing, with his Batman and Harley haircut. Oh. Uh, your girl. Yeah. And Alfred Pennyworth. How apropos, really, for this show to wear that. Yeah, I wasn't wearing a shirt for a while. Then I then when we were trying to record, I threw this on. You better. Oh, well, it works out. And then I'm wearing something that's not even related. Oh, well, it could be related a little bit. Well, it's related to you. It's related to you. 
<laughs> Did somebody eat a butt? It's an avocado. Do you see the avocado? Uh, that's it has a little butt there. That's so not. What, that's that's not where my yeah. One of my coworkers gave you. this to me when I left uh, UVA. She gave it to me, and I was like, "This is perfect." And I also want to point your attention to the fat man right here. Another coworker got that little pop fig for me. He was on my wish list, and I have to say, he's heavy. He's heavier compared to. Oh, really? Things. I'm like, okay, thank you for really leaning into this. So I'm happy to have Kingpin there. He's a handsome fella. Okay, Donovan, we've come to that time where you get to pimp yourself out about quinoa. Well, you can find me on the street, you know, throwing tricks Ooh. at uh, quinoanswers.com, where mm-hmm. myself and everyone's favorite sci fi and uh, Asian cinema discusser. That's another word. Uh, Harrison Chute, chicks call him Harold. We both host questions we don't have answers. We discuss it's three it's three pronged media, <clears throat> politics, and ourselves. Okay. The most recent episode we did, and this was Harry's ideas because we spent four years just pulling our hair out during the Trump administration. So Biden or Biden, Harry thought we should probably do that for Biden. So we had brought on a friend, Noah Berlaski, to discuss how Biden's administration is doing so far. Uh, we have a commentary lined up, and then I've not told Harry this as of yet, but I do have an idea to talk about the manga industry and how it may chafe with American sensibilities. <gasps> and all of this is based is based genuinely based on my experience as a bookseller at Barnes and Noble. Okay, it's informed through that that business. But you can find our stuff again at QNomensis uh, Also, check out from uh, with with Eyes East both the blog and the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, where you can see, literally see Harry um, discuss various uh, Asian films as well as really bad films that aren't Asian, like the, like the the, Con- was it the Conqueror. Um, it, it started John Wayne. It, it was one of my favorite videos. Yeah. But check out his blog. His blog Not is great. Cole he talks about it. was a John Wayne movie where he played Genghis Khan. Oh, um, okay. But uh, his blog is terrific. He uh, has several entries on various actors and various films. Uh, that's That's with Eyes East. Uh, you know, I review Nightwing currently on the Batman Universe. That's how I legitimize myself there. Mm-hmm. You can find my work on DC Infinite, uh, that website. And I do also do some freelance stuff, but it's not public as of yet. But uh, my Twitter handle is DonoDMG1. Thank you, love, as always, for having me on your show and for crying in joy about this story. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being with me and enduring through some tech issues. So... For years now, I basically have decided that the Quinoa podcast is illegitimate because they literally have no answers ever. And I've come to realize quite recently they do actually have an answer. And there's one answer for every question they ask. And the answer is hentai. hentai. I mean, you're kind of spoiling the show. I mean, we do end with, you know, being carried away by tentacles. So... I, I I wish you wouldn't give the game away. Yeah. But uh, you know, we've talked about even Gillian. We've talked about Kill I Kill. Uh, well, no, we've not, but like we've referenced it. So uh yes, uh never not think of hentai, mm-hmm. particularly hens with long ties. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, show off your hentai's uh to your friends. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well you can send any questions or comments to me, back the oracle at gmail.com or to Donovan. 
donomark2468 at gmail.com. Okay. You can also find the show on Google Play and Stitcher, like the show on Facebook, or follow it on Twitter at Becquerel Oracle. And subscribe to the show on YouTube for an uncut version. I've got to figure out now how to splice three videos together at one point. Maybe I'll figure it out. Follow the bat and follow the Batman universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. It's so late. Support the Batman universe by subscribing to Patreon. And once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Batgirl Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Now, next time, Donovan, are we doing Cassandra v. Shiva or are we doing Fugitive? What should we, we should do? probably do 25. Okay. And then get into Fugitive and then you deserve a break. Maybe. Well, if we do 25, it could be a short episode, so that might be nice. Sure. Oh, yes, one issue. Stuff and then okay, and then some modern stuff. So it could be nice. Maybe we could do that. Hidden tribes. We can take on a character like you could be Tim and I could be Babs and answer as I believe she would answer. Who is the tradcon and who is the trad lib? Ooh, who knows? Okay, well, until then. Fight on, cast lovers. Okay, you're ridiculous. <laughs> I should know better. Fly on, Fly Babs on, lovers. Babs lovers. Mm-mm-mm. Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?